Warning, this shit might be good. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. You brought this on yourself, man. Oh, oh my God. Oh. It is on, folks. It is on. It is on. I consider it an invasion. Your Honor, I would like to plead not guilty on the grounds that Obama legalized weed. That's right, we're not guilty. Obama legalized it. That's right. Uh, actually, it says on Wikipedia. Wikipedia says weed is still illegal. Man. 50 state illegal. 50 Ugh. state illegal, federally. But that's all right. We're here to turn that frown upside down anyway, because you're listening to Bowl After Bowl on another Tuesday. It is March 22nd, 2022, and I'm with you. I'm Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And this is episode 147. We just keep on coming and coming and coming. Yeah, Bowl After Bowl. Bowl After Bowl until you're sick, I believe. That's our bowl motto. after bowl till he's sick. The motto is, we just keep coming. We just keep coming, that's right. I have yet to isolate that. Aww. Uh, I was setting you up and everything for the server. I but know, man. I see if, the tab open, so I know that it's on your to-do list. That's right. I, I, I do soft bookmarks as tabs, and uh, we do have a tab of the PWBA Sonoma County Open from 2016, and we're going to clip that thing, man. Yeah, thanks to Face... To the screen for sending it to us. Thank you so much, face of the screen. We're going to clip that. <laughs> We're going to be coming. We're coming and going all the time. So, Sir almost sent me a funny clip right before the show. Oh, yes? Can, can I play it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he said um, he got this from our Bulls with Buds that we just did with Carolyn and Fletcher of Hog Story, which if you missed that, you can find it at budswithbutts.com or bullswithbuds.com. It's the latest one on there. They were our OG Buds in the bowl. Yes. First ones. But anyways, uh, this was an ISO of me explaining to Fletcher how boners work. It gets harder the longer you wait, (laughs) in case you didn't know. Okay. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, thank you for the clip submission. We always love that. Um, Bowls with Buds. That was a fantastic time. We did hang out with Carolyn and Fletcher in the bowl last Sunday night. Uh, Had a great time. And you're right. Yeah, they restarted it all. I mean, they're solely responsible for us even being back as a podcast so yeah uh i did call into the hoggeroos last night and i just mainly like i had kind of had additional follow-up thoughts to the things that we were talking about but i just wanted to thank those guys for being that example like there's examples out there in the community that you look look up to and emulate and like steal stuff from (laughs) as far as like you know we have the voicemail line and with irc and just the whole kind of the whole kind of vibe, you know, and all all of us steal from No Agenda, the OG, the the pinnacle, the eye at the top of the pyramid, I guess you'd say. But man, those guys are a couple class acts, and we love them a lot. Yeah, and so kind, and just willing to help in any way possible. I'm still also getting great feedback rolling in from the Farmer Todd episode. People really love that. Oh, um, we so love Farmer Todd. Thanks for those emails and uh, fatty DMs, and even. Uh, 
in my Casey Bitcoiners Telegram group, somebody was like, hey, thanks for this, man. This was a good one. So, Oh, that's cute. People love that one. Casey uh, Bitcoiners well. are listening to us. We love them, man. We love them. Very cool. We, they show up for us. We show up for them. Hi, Casey Bitcoiners. We love you guys. Um, speaking of which, God, it's been such a busy day. It has. Well, should we uh, look back on this weekend first before we get to where we're at tonight and your clips and such? Well, maybe a programming note before we do move on, uh, because since we did talk about a couple of Bulls with Buds, yes. we will be bringing you another Bulls with Buds this Friday night. Uh, we had a little bit of hopscotch, a little bit of shuffling around, but that's okay. We like to roll with the punches here in the bowl, but... An extra special thanks uh, for a last-minute agreement from NA Millennial Heck yeah. in the chat there. She's going to be joining us at uh, right around 9 Central this Friday night. MMO.show, our Tuesday podcast buddies. That's right. And uh, fellow Missourian as well. So yes. Lots of overlap there. Show me Stater. And uh, hang out with him. Get to know him a little better. Heck in the yeah. Bowl. It's going to be a uh, huge Missouri smash. That, right, that's right, that's right. A little Missouri smash. But yes, what about our crazy wild day? Well, I'd like to start it this this weekend when we got your dad in the homesteading mood because it's springtime. The it weather is, is yeah. beautiful. Spring definitely sprung. Uh, it's, Saturday was in the 60s. We took him out. We showed him some plants. He bought some berry bushes, yep. and then Sunday was in the 70s, and we took his ass outside and planted those bushes with the kiddos, which was so cool. Like, we got him away from the TV. Yep. And sports for a little bit, you know? <laughs> he didn't even have his phone on while he was at that, because he usually will continue watching gaming games on uh, on his phone, of wherever course, he's at. I definitely continued to tune in to the No Agenda stream for the Battle of the Douchebags that yeah. was going down at the time. That was playing the whole time. So there was that, which was absolutely off the chain lit. And I think, uh, who ended up being the biggest douchebag? It was uh, Chunk Yogurt. Yep. Chunky Yogurt. Chunk. Took, took the whole title, man. So that was uh, that was another lit round of douchebaggery. That was a fun one. Yeah, we got the plants in the ground, and then we went to the old... Uh, oh, and the kids got to fly kites successfully for the first time in their little lives yep that was awesome a little kite flying and then we uh we were out and about and uh of course you know the bowlers know we've been interested in homesteading and slowly dipping our toe in the homesteading water with little things you know growing tomatoes and peppers and such um but when we were out and about was it saturday or sunday i guess it was saturday with your dad yep Chicken coops were on sale. Beautiful chicken coops. They're all 50 bucks off. <laughs> yeah, the whole farm store had 50 bucks off all the coops. And we found an incredibly affordable one that was beautiful and like made of cedar. And so we were like, hey, well, let's get a chicken coop. Uh, finally, because we got to do it. You know, we've been talking about it for too long. It's time to finally do it. So we bought it and then uh, it was so big. <laughs> your dad had to drive with his trunk open to get it to his house. Yep. <laughs> and then it was too big to fit in our trunk, so he had to bring it to our house after work Monday, which was awesome. Thanks, Pop, for delivering that. Two boxes. Two boxes of cedar to build this thing. And uh, that's on the to-do list for this week while you're on your self-paced week yep. at home with me and the kiddos. Oh, But man. you're always at home. It's like 
I thought the self-paced week would be like a little bit of breathing room, but really it's just like furiously catch up on all of the uh, stuff that I've been, you know, not neglecting, but just kind of waiting for time to do it, knock it out. Um, so now, now Chicken Coop is in there, in the, uh, in the mix with everything else. And we have a book that we've had for a long time about uh, raising chickens and whatever. And so we reread it together. And we were reading about the different breeds and discussing the kind that we want because we want to focus on eggs. So we were looking at the heavy layers, if that's what you call them. Uh, and I, I don't really want to deal with brooding. So like low brooding rates. And, yeah, not, uh, n- not the temperamental birds. Yeah, because the, the bowlets will be helping out. And so I want the birds to be friendly-ish, as friendly as a chicken gets. Yeah. I don't have much experience with chickens other than my aunt's house a little bit. So we were looking at the White Plymouth Rock hens. <laughs> That's what we were thinking about for anyone yeah. who's into chickens. And um, we were out and about today and we went to a farm store and they like another. Oh, the first one we went to had no chicks. Um, but over the weekend, we saw some buff Orpingtons. Yep. And they were, they're cute because they're chicks and all chicks are pretty cute. The and Orpingtons are kind of like the yellow fluffy ones that you see a lot. They're one of like the more common ones for sure. I would say the Rhode Island red is like your chicken's chicken. Like most times when you see a chicken, it's like that reddish brown chicken with the super red uh, flappy head thing. I don't know what you call them flappy head things. A crown I, or something. Uh, but that's like the chicken's chicken, you know? And then, of course, the foghorn. Everybody knows what that is. That's like the white the chicken. The white one? Yeah, with the red crown. Well, what did we buy at the farm store? We got the chick, like, feed and the water and the feeder. Everything yep. in the warming lamp. Everything that we need for the chicks to be comfortable. Yep. We got today, because it was on sale at that first stop. And then we were driving back home basically and you saw another farm store you said let's stop in here i was like all right and they had chickens galore yeah they had chicks galore they probably had a hundred chicks they had baby turkeys too and baby ducks oh man i don't know if i've ever seen baby turkeys actually they were so cute i definitely seen baby ducks all over the place and they're always adorable ducks come on yeah i mean come on uh, so anyways, we were, the girls were just having a blast looking at these chicks and, uh, just, uh, they loved them all. You know, they're, I love this one the best, uh, but I love this one the best too. And I love this one the best. And this one's my favorite, but this one's also my favorite. So they just loved them all and they thought they were all really cute. And anyway, uh, you know, the guys, the associates kept walking by, you guys need any help? We're like, no, we're just looking. <laughs> and, um. So finally, Spence is like, well, this is an awful lot of chicks to, to pick from. We could pick a chick right now, you know? And, um, and, so, and so we ended up <laughs> bringing three chicks home. And we've got, we've got a chick up to the microphone right now. What do you have to say, little baby chick? Chicken it out. Yes, there's birds in the bowl now. Um, yeah, so cinnamon queens are yes. what we went uh, with in this case. Which is a Rhode Island red and a Rhode Island white crossbreed. I'm glad you remembered that because I my brain was blank. 
I saw the chick and my brain just went, oh, cute little chick. They're little but, sweethearts, man. Oh, they're going to be hens and big old hens pretty soon. They're very calm, too. Yeah. And so the girls had a blast getting them situated here in the bowl where they'll be until the coop is uh, built and they're big enough to go out there. And, uh, yeah, they got to watch out for the wolf that's in here with them. That little do they know. But, yeah, the girls set it up with Spence's help. Uh, you know, put the warming light together and over them and gave them their water and put the food in their feeder. And it was so cute. That's uh, all they did for the rest of the day was just sit and watch the chicks and, and ask me if they were okay and if they're comfortable. And I was like, yeah, they're doing great. We had cedar chips already at the house that we just laid at the bottom of this uh, tub we've got them in. Rubber tub, whatever, plastic tub. And uh, they, uh, there's one that <laughs> was cracking me up because she was sitting on the feeder. How do you explain what those feeders look like? There's like a a ledge on the outside of it that they can stand on so yeah. that they can't like sleep in the food, you know, and they can peck their little beaks in it. And then the food is stored in the middle in like a jug kind of thing. And then it filters out to the bottom and around the edge. So anyways, this one chick today was uh laying there on top of the food just like <laughs> starting to fall asleep and her eyes would close and then her head would start falling down and her beak would touch the food and then she'd pop her head back up and and then just keep doing it over and over again it was so funny to watch oh man but yep chickens chickens in the bowl my friends gotta love it gotta love the chicks in the bowl yep birds in the bowl and then what else? Then tonight you went to a Casey Bitcoin meetup. Yeah. Yeah, I squealed in just in time to set up the uh set up the little chick box. Then go to the uh the Casey Bitcoin meetup and uh they were talking all about privacy tonight. And actually what we really started our day with that we forgot was this little guy. Uh went to the electronics store and picked up a recorder. Now, some of you may remember that uh for the No Agenda meetup reports uh c mike had on semi-permanent loan to me his zoom h4n which is a little handy uh portable recorder has like built-in mics on the top and then you can plug uh two xlrs into the bottom and uh at the last meetup that we had it at i think it was two meetups ago i want to say but uh somebody pulled the cord of the mic and it dropped onto a uh onto a concrete slab yeah. And it stopped working. So... It hung in there for a little while. It did. It, it <laughs> tried to hang in. But, uh, you know, as soon as I pulled the mic cable out, that's when it's kind of stopped. It was, like, internally broken, but just barely hanging on. And then when I disconnected the mic cable, it just stopped working. So, uh, yeah, long story short, we've had uh, one of our Casey, uh, one of our Casey meetup boys has been working on trying to repair it. In the meantime, but today we got a new Zoom recorder because uh, it was funny. I was kind of inspired by Fletcher who was talking about, you know, talking on the show about what the value you contribute brings back and um, using the PayPal as it builds up to um, get uh, some new equipment for the show. So, yeah, transparency and where your value goes when you put uh, some treasure back into the bowl. So that got me thinking, and I checked the uh, PayPal, and there was uh, built up enough to go out and grab uh, this beautiful handy recorder. So it's a Zoom H4n Pro, 
which Ayo. is the uh, pro version of the same model that uh, got busted. But thank you, bowlers, for that. And uh, we'll be bringing you some more mobile reports. Uh, we'll be able to do some more mobile stuff with that. And also, of course, uh, Bitcoin meters, meetup stuff. So yeah. that's your value directly in action. And uh, that's why we appreciate the uh, the PayPal donations are just as important as the boosts. And, uh, you know, that not only that, but um, I want to also mention that a lot of the web hosting stuff and um, other auto auto bills are on there. So they come out of there. Um, the subscription for the, the suite of services we use to produce the show. Uh, all yep. of that is hooked up to the PayPal and some people are hooked up to the PayPal. I guess it's a perfect time to thank some people. Okay. I was going to interject something, but go oh, ahead. No, no, you can interject. Well, what I was going to say is it's perfect timing to get that on the go recorder for Wolf on the Prowl reports and going to the meetup this Saturday. That's right. We'll be in Cherryvale, Kansas for a No Agenda meetup. Bolorama. How could we miss that? It's like a three-hour drive, but it's a bowling alley. So, duh. We're yes. going to be there. Uh, Justin of Wrong Kind of Podcast is hosting that. and uh, Yeah, and we met them at uh, the Brandon's meetup. Yes, the Joplin meetup. Lovely people. So Fun crowd. We'll be going to that. That'll be on Saturday. And we'll we'll get a little report or something, I'm sure, going with it. But now to thank the bowlers. But yes, we want to thank you, because what were we talking about? We were talking about value for value, and, you know, people put in things, and they get things out of it. It's like, for you, by you, of you, because of you. That we have a show, that the show keeps going. Yeah, all it just this keeps getting stuff. better and better. And um, this sort of, like, physical manifestation of the value for value right here with the zoom recorder and um so we want to start with the people who uh sent us stuff on paypal now i also want to say there's some great folks that have recurring uh subscription or recurring donation and you can set that at any amount it's easy you can go to bulleverbull.com and click donate and get one set up uh but sharky shark had a donation come in <gasps> Sharky! 420. Thank so you. That's a very popular subscription, uh, the 420 a month, and it really does a lot to help just keep those auto pays uh, covered when we're talking about uh, the hosting bill and we're talking about uh, things like that, those recurring services that come up every month. So thank you, Sharky. We love you. And uh, also, 10 bucks from the one and only Phoenix. Woo! Princess Phoenix. Thank you. Uh, note here, he is my knight, I am his dame, one day I hope to steal his name. A love like this, told in stories of old, blossoms like a lotus, sown in a bowl. Love you guys, Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix, the poet. The poet. I'm telling you, gotta get that value for value poetry site up and going. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, Of man. course, check out Phoenix and Phoneboy on the Lotus Podcast at lotuspodcast.net. Yeah, you gotta check them out. Link in the show notes. You also may have been hearing a little pews in the background this whole time. That's because a pew is a boost coming in. And uh, that's from Helipad. This is a little program that Dave Jones wrote to watch your uh, your lightning node and display the boosts as they come in with that fun little pew sound. A lot of shows have slickly uh, customized that pew sound, which I'm, I really want to get around to doing that. That's like so fun. I love doing that. Uh, Behind the Schemes, I believe, was the first to do that. 
The custom sound? The custom special sound. I believe so. And you know what I want as the custom sound? I want Mousy Bear's pew. Oh, she had the great pew. That's right. Yeah, they're bowls of buds. It's so cute. Um, But yes, we have some boosts that came in, including... uh, I'm just going to start where we stopped reading with John Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney, but you can send a boostagram in any nude podcast app. All you got to do is take off all your clothes and go to nudepodcastapps.com. There you will find all of the nude podcast apps, and you just uh, click the filter that has value on it, and that's the ones that support these boostograms, the ones that are filtered by value. So that's what you want. And that's what Boobery did. Uh, He boosted the show episode 145, My First Thought of Naked, and he said, this boost is spray-painted gold and has your name spelled out in magazine clippings. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Booberry. Fabulous. Uh, no note from 3508 sat boosts that came in yesterday. Uh, while at the very end of the live, we were still uh, live with Fletcher and uh, Carolyn. Oh, nice. Through CurioCaster. And you know 508 is the calling card of Mr. Cotton Gin. Yes. Thank you, Cotton Gin. Thank you, Cotton Gin. Uh, 1121 sats from Cotton Gin, right when we started live. He's the first one in there from CurioCaster. He says, in the bowl. In the bowl! Uh, 3333 again from Cotton Gin, who said, yes, I do. All right. Yes, I do. So he does. Uh, Fletcher sent us in a wave clip. Whoa. Which, for the life of me, I've not been able to get to play, but I'm going to try it really quickly in a different browser. Just to give that a shot, because you know how browsers are. They're so finicky. I'm a big Bitcoin guy. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. It's a big Bitcoin guy, that Fletcher. <laughs> he got in the car and drove, man. Hell yeah. I'm so proud of him. We're so proud, man. It was awesome having you on. And uh, just seeing your progress going from, like, really being uninterested in uh, joining in the, f- uh, the boosting Bitcoin fun to being the first guy to get the IRC boost chat working. And yeah, like he explained, like he had help from his friends in the bowl, but uh, hog stories to be commended for the first uh, boostograms to IRC solution. Yep, Making history. And And now we're all doing it, man. Now we're all in here doing it. And oh man. And it's thanks to the hogs. Cool as all hell. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, C dubs clarifies from, uh, boost CLI that, uh, boomer adjacent, is the correct term. Uh, we had a discussion of uh, who, <laughs> who's booming who. I'm not sure. Thanks, C-dubs. Some pre, pre-show pre chatter, I'm sure. Uh, there was a 420 boost for John Prine's smile. It's highly Woo-hoo. illegal. We don't recommend smiling in that way. Thanks, Nat Ned. Uh, that was from Fountain. Then Breeze from Oma. Uh, he says hot dog bun. So that's another, another Prine-inspired. Thank you, sir. A thousand sats from C Brooklyn 112. Pew check. All right. Thanks, C Brooklyn. And uh, pews were checked. Pews were uh, coming And in. on. 4,200 4, sats from Phone Boy and Phoenix. Woo! Out of Pot Friends. So Pod Friends back on the helipad now. Cool. That's awesome. There was a little gap where we weren't getting Pod Friends. We were getting Pod Friends to your node and not to my node. That's but right. That has uh, apparently been ironed out. Sweet. Uh, 4,200 sats. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Pew! Uh, and they continue to come in as we were reading them off. Uh, 9999 from Cotton Gin. All right. Says, Thanks, have Cotton a, Gin. Have a great show. 1111 from Harv Hat. Thanks, Harv Hat. 5,000 sats from Dave Jones. Woo! Thanks, Dave Jones. Who says, bowling on a Tuesday night. Hey! All right. Welcome aboard, Dave Jones. Yeah, in the bowl, Dave. Love having you. 
Uh, oh, and another, oh man, this is great. This is so cool. The ability to send a uh, link to a wave file over a boostagram. I think that's another first. I can't be certain. I'll have to consult the, uh, there's some guys that keep track of this kind of thing, but uh, it feels like a firsty thing. Thirsty, firsty. Let's see. He's savoring this moment like he personally solved the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> <laughs> Super savored. Oh, that's nice. Uh, man, I love the live, says Dave Jones with 6969. 69! 69, dudes! Oh, we love oh, the live, too. The live is the bomb. Yes, may the live live long. Uh, 2,000 stats from N4VX. Thanks, N4VX. Who says, chicken and egg donation. Congrats on your new birdies. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Bagok! Yep. We are the chicken squeezing out the eggs. Everyone remembers that. Uh, and everyone keep squeezing. Keep squeezing. It gets easier, egg after egg. Soon <laughs> you won't even notice them coming out. 2222 from Servo. Thanks, uh, Servo. Out of Boost CLI. Boosting the live. He says chicks in a row. Hey So that's a row of chicks there. 2222. Thank you, sir. Uh, 8888 from Carolyn. <gasps> Carolyn, thank you. Super eights with love to the bowlers. And I want to point this out. This has been, this has been a weird thing that's happened lately with these Unicode characters going on. Um, and I'm told from reliable sources that this was an iOS update that kind of borked and dorked the way that iOS handles these Unicode characters. So, for instance, we are annoying as fuck, and we have the little black star character in all of our episode titles, oh, right? Yeah. So we just we do that. We've done that for since the first iteration. We just settled on it. It's like our style. Is it a pain in the ass? Hell yes, it is. And we love it that way. Now iOS is sending out uh, instead of the pretty black star, it'll send out a backslash. U2605. And Carolyn's, uh, I'm assuming, had a lot of emojis in it because it has like slash UD83D, UDACAF, uh, slash UD83D, slash UDD25. Ah, so many beautiful, I'm sure, emojis. But I think at least Fountain and maybe some other apps as well will have to rethink how they parse the. Uh, messages the boostergrams that are coming out of ios so thank you ios for making developers lives hell once again we love you for that uh 8888 from abel kirby oh yeah thanks abel kirby boosting out of curiocaster live who says history 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 it's a mystery just like abel kirby uh is hard for live that's C-Dubs. C-Dubs is hard for live. Hey-o. Hey-o. With a 69-69 boost. 69-69, dudes! Wow. He is hard for the live. So hard. So hard. So hard. Oh, and another boost from Fletch just came in 58 seconds ago with, uh, of course, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try to back the, because uh, these seem to be coming in hot, so I'm going to back my secondary browser back a little bit before launching this next one here we go it's a mystery what are you gonna hook me up with a, with a chick with a no gag reflex or some shit like that <laughs> <laughs> not that chick no not that kind of chick not that chick the chick that turns into a hen but uh i know i know certain chicks that's all bowlers bowlers no bowlers no we've got them on call thank you so much everybody <laughs> for the boosts um they also help keep the show alive keep it going 
and they're a great way to give value uh, that you get. But the value for value proposition, I want to be clear, and I want to. We talked a, a lot in depth with it uh, on the last bowls of buds with Fletcher and Carolyn. Value for value is a two-way street, and we always are trying to put value into the show. We want to give you value, the listener. If you're hearing this right now and you're listening through it, it's probably bringing you value if you're coming back and you're coming back again. And so the value for value proposition only asks to return value that you've already received. It's not asking you to, you know, lay away future value that you expect to get. It's not asking you to uh, push the direction of the show with a big purchase or anything like that. It merely asks to return value. And that's so subjective that we can't really put a number on it. We can't really put a task on it. We can't really uh, tell you what this show means to you. That's for you to decide. And we respect you. And we allow you to decide that. Because uh, only you can come up with what that is. And that allows you the total freedom to also give value back in the ways that actually make sense. The ways that you can give value. There's always the treasure that we thank, uh, you know, with names and donations. But there's also production value given to the show by so many people whether it's these isos whether it's you know uh like fletcher sending isos in booths which is fantastic uh, whether it's uh news stories that get sent to us all the time or isos uh lorraine receives a lot of isos in the emails I, I receive them as well and we love them all of this kind of stuff uh the easiest way we call it pass the bull oh yeah don't bogart that bull pass it to a friend who might enjoy it tell them about bull after bull uh, another real easy way to get involved, and I know a lot of people have uh, chimed in already, it's our weekly voicemail topic, the first time I ever. Yeah, every week we have a first time I ever topic. And this week, we want to hear about the first time you ever found a sex toy. Whoa. All you have to do is pick up your phone and... Call 816 that's right. It's a very easy way to dip your toes into that value contribution and produce a show and be a part of it. And hear your lovely voice uh, at 816-607-3663. Also, if you're voice shy or you don't like your voice or you have a bad connection on your phone or Whatever your excuse is, you can also text in your story, and then we'll read it in our voices, which we are not shy to use uh, in any way. And there we go. Everyone wins. That's the point. Everyone wins. So thank you, everybody who produces this show. It really does mean a lot to us, and we hope to uh, bring you value worthy of that. Uh, and we thank you so much. We're going to keep it going. This is going to keep going. With your help. That's right. This is going to keep going. Speaking of keeping going... Uh, we always keep going a certain segment that, uh, always keeps us going. Ah, yes, the cocaine shit stain. It's, um, it's a little segment that we do where we just talk about Bitcoin or lightning or, uh, Podcasting 2.0 value system, all of that kind of good stuff. Node operation, uh, all of these terms that uh, to the casual observer or the casual ear 
uh, might seem or sound like some total word vomit. And um, we want to make sure that we don't shy away from talking about it, even if it sounds like this, even if it's all messed up, even if uh, none of us really fully understand exactly everything about what we're doing. Because uh, if we don't talk about it and hash it out, uh, then how are we going to even learn anything? I don't think we can. I do not think we can. And there's a certain topic that I've kind of been shying away from directly, um, but has garnered a lot of discussion in the recent weeks. And so I I thought that uh, I would just take a little stab at it uh, tonight, which is uh, channel fees and specifically the podcast index node channel fees um, versus a lot of other channel fees. What are channel fees? What does it matter if I set them this way or that way? What does it all mean? We've talked a lot on the show about being a routing node and what that means, routing payments. Um, you can collect fees if the, uh, if the payment on the Lightning Network comes through your node and you are not the end destination for it. So if uh, someone is down the line from me and I have a channel to them, and then maybe they have a channel to somebody else who's eventually going to receive the payment, uh, and someone doesn't have a direct channel to them, but they can get there through a series of nodes, what we call hops, right? Then uh, I can take some of my Bitcoin, and uh, once, once they send me a payment, I can take that payment and then send a different channel on to the next one on down the line. And for that, I can collect a small fee. Uh, the point of Lightning Network is to be fast and to be um, robust, uh, sort of instant. It solves the problem of scaling and speed that uh, Layer 1 Bitcoin has. Uh, if you're just sending a payment on-chain, uh, it can take an unknown amount of time to confirm that payment. You broadcast the payment, and then you have to wait for a miner to solve the next block. Uh, and you pass along a fee, depending on the fee that you pass on-chain, it's going to determine uh, the priority that your transaction has and how fast or how high in the uh, mempool that uh, it gets placed. On the Lightning Network, you don't have to worry about that because all payments are resolved instantly. And the reason is that by opening up channels, you reserve a certain amount of Bitcoin, almost like an open bar tab. You say, this much uh, Bitcoin I'm going to lock into a Lightning channel and then as long as that channel is open, I can pass it back and forth to one other node. And we agree however many sats is on which side. And at the end of uh, all of this time, we can close that channel. That's another on-chain transaction. We can settle the score. Each person gets uh, the balance of Satoshis that are left on their side. So the podcast index node um, had set the payments, uh, the, uh, the, the, the routing fees, I should say to uh, 10,000 parts per million. Now, there's two parts to a routing fee. The first part is the base fee. The base fee you charge for every payment that goes through. Then there's parts per million, or a percentage fee, which you charge depending on how big the transaction is. These two combined make what your fee is. You can set them uniquely for every channel, and it's a good idea to do so, especially if your channels are diverse in capacity, or if some are hyper-local, some are very balanced, and some are hyper-remote. Uh, you know, they may be in or out of balance. It's important to keep in mind that a fee is charged on a channel whenever sats leave your node. 
So um, if node A sends to node C and node B is in the middle, the channel between A and B is not charged a fee because A is sending it out and they're not going to charge themselves a fee. B takes that Bitcoin, sends it to the channel they have with C. That is where a fee is assessed on the channel with between B and C. Whatever that fee structure is, that's where a channel is slapped. Or that's where a fee is slapped, excuse me. So if you have a bunch of different channels and you look at the fees, the payments coming in from somewhere are not going to be assessed a fee. And then the payments as they leave will be assessed a fee. So um, a lot of people have been expressing frustration with balancing, keeping things in balance, needing to rebalance. And they've found that uh, using balance of Satoshis or sometimes people use the Thunderhub rebalance feature. Personally, I've never got that thing to work. I've tried a lot of times. It always fails on me. Uh, but this is something that uh, people use when their channels get a little out of balance and they need to get them back into balance. Why do you want your channels in balance? It's a good question. So you want your channels in balance because they route better, meaning there's some sats on my side, there's some sats on the other side. If it's perfectly balanced, let's say it's a million sat channel, there's 500,000 sats on my side, 500,000 sats on the other side. That means that a half a million could go out or a half a million could come in. Mm. That, uh, that nice balanced channel has full routing potential. However, there's a lot of different use cases for Bitcoin and for nodes specifically. Depending on how you are going to use your node or how you are going to uh, be operating, you might not necessarily want all balanced channels all the time. If you are what we call a merchant node, and a lot of podcasters are this, you're going to need primarily what we call inbound liquidity. That means sats that aren't on your side, that have the potential to become yours. If you don't have inbound liquidity as a podcaster, you're not going to be able to receive anything because there's, there's nothing to push into your node. If it's all already on your side, then it's... Uh, then you know that channel is locked out you can't receive a boost and a boost will fail to you if if it's all the way out of balance onto the local side um what i like the idea of and what i've tried um, to make my node is sort of a combo merchant node routing node i have a few huge i have two really big channels uh i shouldn't say huge because there's plenty of channels that are larger but my two biggest channels are six million sats which for me is huge uh and i got those in a ring of fire talk a lot about ring of rings of fire i've organized a few um people get in a jitty about oh i have to be in a ring of fire in order for routing worker in order for me to send or receive sats this also is not necessarily true a ring of fire all it is is a channel creation strategy um but out of my ring of fire the six million sat one i was able to open one six million sat channel and for that effort i got two six million sat channels in the end because I was in a circle of six people, and we all opened six million sat channels in a circle to each other, and then we pushed one payment through to balance them all. So we wound up with two uh, fat, perfectly balanced channels for the price of one. Nice. That's all a ring of fire is, though. Once it's established, you have the channels, you're not really technically like in a ring of fire anymore. It's like you still have those channels, you're still in that ring, but... Most of the participants have other channels as well. So you're in this big net spider web of network. Um, it's not like you're in or out of a ring of fire necessarily. Yeah, it's like an event. 
Correct. So another thing um, we were getting back to uh, how to set channel fees. Channel fees are important because you're putting up liquidity, you're putting up money, you're locking that in, and uh, there has to be some sort of a recoup of that uh, opportunity cost. It costs money to circularly rebalance. Uh, when you use balance of Satoshis and balance these channels, that costs whatever those fees are when you're hopping around the nodes. It also gets a little bit, um, let's say, undesirable to the other nodes that you're hopping through because when you're balancing your channels, you may very well be unbalancing all of the channels that you're hopping through in order oh. to balance yours, right? So this becomes inconvenient. Everyone is going to be trying to charge a fee that recovers the cost of having to balance. In the last two to three months, I totally stopped reciprocal uh, or uh, circular rebalances. I totally stopped circular rebalances altogether. The reason, number one, being that the cost kind of adds up over time. They get expensive over time. But number two, you really are kicking people's channels out of balance and it's not necessarily the best practice, especially if you're doing big chunks. If you're trying to, you know, if you have a 2 million sat channel and you're trying to, it's like 1.8 million is uh, remote, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't have any on my local side and you're freaking out and you're trying to send 800,000 sats in a circle to yourself to get that channel uh, back to kind of balanced. Well, hopefully if you're a routing node, you're trying to get to a state where over time, you're achieving some sense of balance. But any given time when you pull up your channel list and look, things are going to be out of balance. Things are going to stay out of balance, but things can be flexible. So I like to change my fee structure to reflect that. Now, one thing about fees is they are slow to gossip out onto the network. So if you change your fee, it may take some time for the, that to reflect to the rest of the network. It's recommended not to change your fee more than once every 24 hours. Because of that. Once the... Now remember we talked earlier, a fee is only assessed when the sats leave the channel. So, when you have most of your sats somewhere else on the other side of the, of the balance, that's when we want really high fees. Because we want to say, whoa, a lot of my sats are already on the remote side. If any more sats go over there, I want to get a big fee for that. I also almost want to totally stop fee, uh, the sats from flowing that way. A high enough fee is going to stop routing, which is sort of uh, the chewy center of what I want to get to tonight. A high enough fee is going to stop routing. And what is a high enough fee? It will vary depending on the capacity of the channel and uh, the, connected, the connectedness of the node. But it doesn't really take too uh, crazy high of a PPM fee to chill routing. Um, I also don't really know the intricacies of how every lightning app out there tests routes and decides what fee is reasonable and what fee is not. But I do, I can tell you that in L and D, um, all of the payments that you can send will take into consideration a max fee and a max fee rate. So they're going to look both at the base fee in sats and whatever it turns out to be, but they also look at the PPM rate and they all have a sanity check of what, too big means and uh, where is too big it can vary uh, widely but a great idea is to kind of gauge that is to look at other nodes and look at the network and look at what else is out there uh, amboss.space you can look at any node 
and you can see where their fee structure lies and the distribution of that. So we get back to the podcast index node. Uh, the fees were raised in, I think, a totally reasonable um, problem that was trying to be solved, which is kind of twofold. One, people were blowing out a lot of smaller channels on that node by circularly rebalancing through some channels there. Okay, uh, That gets annoying. Um, another thing that was happening is Podcast Index is just a community open source project bootstrapping Lightning. We're trying to put together this thing from scratch off of donations. There's no VC. There's no big funders. None of that. So to give a podcaster their first channel if they're just interested in trying to onboard, um, it's, it's not a super sustainable thing to just keep on opening and opening and opening channels to people necessarily. It just depends. So obviously, Podcast Index needs to be able to recoup some of the costs of putting up liquidity to these podcasters. And uh, I think that that is more than reasonable. I think it's incredibly reasonable. Uh, however, the problem comes when we're trying to recoup these costs directly in the routing fees themselves. Uh, and my reasoning for that, first and foremost, is just a technical one. Nothing about emotions, nothing about how it looks to people, nothing about anything else. It's just a technical thing of higher PPM fees, chill routing. And so if the point of the index node is to set these channels up to podcasters for their first uh, payment or for their first you know payment channel to give them some liquidity, but then uh, liquidity is not as easily had uh, through high fees, then it, it sort of is self-defeating. The second thing is that instead of recouping the costs from the podcaster who uh, directly benefits from less liquidity, the costs are passed on to the producers, to the boosters, to the network, to everybody who's actually, you know, boosting and paying, which just isn't necessarily fair in an economic sense. So um, what is the direct solution? The problem is that there's not really a one-size-fits-all solution. There's no silver bullet here. Um, currently, the way that fees are being set just from what's publicly available on Amboss that I'm able to observe, it appears that uh, currently they're, they're down from 10K PPM to about 4,500 PPM, which is an improvement. Um, however, it's, it's still pretty high based on the, average, the averages. Uh, it also appears that every channel, and there's 130-some channels on the podcast index node, and they all range from... 20,000 sats all the way up to, I think, 10 million is their biggest channel. Very wide range of channels, and I'm sure they have wide ranges of balances, both local and remote. Uh, that information is not public, uh, but you know, any given node is going to have a variety of different uh, balance states. So it's hard to just uh, mass set one fee, just pick one number, and set all of your channels to that, because it's going to you know, not it, it doesn't it, it doesn't take into account all of the different states of the channels, all the different sizes of the channels. A good rule of thumb when you're setting a channel fee is you should think about the on-chain fee that it takes to open and then to close the channel. Right now, the mempool is pretty light, so to make a Bitcoin transaction, you can usually get it done in a 24-hour period at one sat per value byte. Which on the channel I just opened was about 400,000 sats. 
and it cost me about 223 sats to open that channel. Uh, if I can close that for another one sat for value byte, it will cost me another 223 for a total of about 446 sats for the lifetime of the channel. So I take that number. I've got to say, well, I want to at least recoup the cost of opening it on-chain, right? So I need to make 446 sats. On a 400,000 sat channel, you're talking about mm, maybe a little over 1,000 ppm. However, if you're doing routing to where you have a lot of channels, ideally you're going to have some back and forth in that channel. It's not just going to all flow out and then you'll be done. You'll have some flow out, some flow back in. And uh, Satsbot, by the way, points out 446 sats is about 19 cents. So we're not talking big numbers here. We're talking little tiny fees. Uh, and we want to be able to recoup those fees. Um, I think that one solution that would help ease the uh, pain of endlessly opening up these channels and providing liquidity, which, by the way, I think is a wonderful service. And I think, uh, you know, we need something like that to be able to bootstrap this thing and onboard new podcasters. Something like a boost matching program, where if a podcaster boosts in a certain amount, they can double or triple it or match it or whatever happens, and that can provide for some of that initial investment into the channel and into the liquidity. Um, something like a 100,000 sat channel is enough to get you going, or even, you know, they have channels as small as 20,000 sats. These channels are often the only connection that some podcasters have to the lightning network itself and so um the only thing i've really been able to test this with and so the only uh basis i'm working from is todd cochran's node uh i noticed todd expressed some frustration about running a node and not being able to move anything and not having liquidity i also pulled up um his show on fountain and i noticed that boosts were failing to geek news central which is the uh I know he also does, I believe, a, boo a Blueberry podcast, but Geek News Central is where his node is connected to. Uh, and I think he is kind of dipping toes into Boost experimentally. Uh, and he was getting route failures, route failures. And so I just opened a, no a, a channel to him. I set my fee at 420 uh, ppm. And then right as the channel opened, he was able to receive boosts again. So is this a direct... Uh, proof that high fees uh, make payments fail? No, not necessarily. There could have been other factors involved. Uh, there could have been the need to reset a node or a channel. It could have been a bad channel. It could have been a lot of different things. But um, it is evidence. It, it is evidence, and it wouldn't surprise me if that's what's going on. And I think that's what's going on. I'm totally open to being totally wrong about this. But this is the sort of thing that... Uh, we've been discussing on the socials. So I just wanted to at least get my thoughts out uh, audibly and talk it out with people because uh, with, a, with a character limit and just typing it onto the internet, I think a lot of context gets lost mm -hmm. and a lot of feelings can get hurt and people take things the wrong way. Um, I also want to just say for the record that I, especially with this open source stuff, I try to directly address technical problems rather than people uh and i believe that i've done that this whole time but um this is my whole thing about uh the fees being too high on podcast index node um another solution by the way that can be employed if you are in a 
uh, web interface such as Thunderhub, where I do most of my fee setting, you can set uh, the maximum allowable uh, forward through your channel. Through each channel, you can make it unique. So if you, say, have a 500,000 sat channel, and you say uh, the default is that you can forward as many sats as are available, right? So if the if the capacity is 500,000, 499, 999 is the maximum allowable forward. The uh, way to make sure that channels aren't getting blown out is just to lower that a bit. Maybe set it at 50k or you know 100k or whatever. The the biggest payment that you want to be allowed to route through there, you can set that as the, in the same place that you set channel fees. So that's another way to uh, discourage channels getting blown out. But I think that the one size fits all approach is just chilling for routing, and it's not going to make the payments route uh, in an efficient and uh, reliable way. Does that make a big pile of cocaine shit stain to you? Yeah. That's a huge <laughs> pile. I appreciate the patience with that because uh, it is something that's been kind of discussed and debated on um, on the podcast index social lately. And I just don't want to... Like, I can't just sit here and see it and shut up about it and just not say anything at all. It's also tough for me because I also am learning. And privately, I've asked some people their input and a lot of those people have said, man, like, you would know more than me, which to me is <laughs> fucking terrifying, okay? Uh, That's the scariest part of all of this shit. I'm out here flying with no net, three pairs of scissors between my toes, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I would love a sensei in the arena. But of, people are following your lead. And yeah, putting scissors between their toes. Well, that's fine. Scissors go great between some <laughs> toes. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying like I am merely trying to share what I've discovered with my own practices uh, and my own hypotheses. And I'm trying to, you know, cite my sources. And uh, you know, I have limited sats to do testing with. I'm not, you know. Adam pointed out that this is a bootstrap project. They're not made of money. And like, I'm the same way. I'm not made of money either. Another thing that uh, he suggested was just route around us, which I have done. It's already accomplished. And I have actually closed channels to the podcast index node for now, be just because I needed to free up those sats. They weren't doing anything like they weren't going anywhere. Uh, so I don't really want to be in that state. I don't want to have to close channels to the, PI node like that's not where I want to be at I care about the project and the project's name is on the node as well and so that's the only reason I'm even offering sort of my thoughts on it at all is just because I'm interested in good routing and good stewardship of the of the node that has the project's name on it now we could get to a spot and you know he's Adam has said on the show many times that like oh six months from now 12 months from now we won't have to worry about any of this it may be well and true um, as far as new people being onboarded and the services that will exist then, uh, they won't have to be node operators. However, I can tell you nodes aren't going away. And really, um, to be a good steward of that, of that uh, value flow, being a node operator, as daunting as it may seem, um, is the best way for you to have sovereignty over all yeah. of that and be your own bank. You have control yep. over all of that. So you can have somebody else's service and somebody else who's a, has a really great service. In fact, like there's plenty of people in this space that I would absolutely trust 
to be my custodian in the space. However, uh, that's not what I do and that's not what I would recommend. Like I couldn't recommend that, you know, uh, in good faith and in good conscience. I recommend that people run their own node. Now, I know that that's not for everyone and there are sources out there for that, but what are they and what should I do if I don't want to run my own node? I'm not the guy to ask about. So um, that's just where I'm at. I wanted to kind of address it. I wanted to be fair about it. I don't want bad blood over it. Oh, because it's all out of love. It's, it's all love. Trying to... Yeah, exactly. It's all love. If If I didn't give a shit, I wouldn't even talk about it at all. Right, yeah, exactly. But it is hard to communicate over uh, the interwebs. Yeah, and uh, you behind know, a keyboard, I'm I'm not a shy person, and so I I I get that I can come off a little strong sometimes. You're blunt. I'm blunt. Um, I don't have a lot of feelings that uh, you know. I don't know. And I also like if if the flames come up in a flame war, I'm always like matching, which doesn't help. You know, I'm never de-escalating. I'm usually just like right at whatever level it's at. <laughs> so if somebody ratches it up a notch, I'm right there with it, which uh, isn't helpful, I understand. Um, so yeah, anyway, enough about that. BYOB, be your own bank. Be your own bank. Be, I uh, love that. Run a node. Um, there's a, the only way we can figure it out is to try it. It's another one of those getting in the car and driving it. And yeah, the car is a little bit sleeker and it goes much faster on the highway. Um, but you can still do it in a sane and slow paced way and start off a little and bite off as much as you want to chew at a time. Yeah. No shame taking that car to a parking lot. Do a That's little right. test drive. That's right. Yeah. You know, practice parking. That's right. <laughs> uh, some more shit stain. Uh, off chain in this instance, we had a Casey Bitcoin meetup and uh, we had a guy, a guest speaker, I should say, from Ronin Dojo who makes, uh, they're, in, they're a node, uh, manufacturer and so i did sit down with him a little bit i i gotta tell you my my guys my guys <laughs> i'm so fucking ashamed of myself because i bought uh with your value we acquired this h4n pro handy recorder and it like i said you can plug an xlr mic into it and i have also on permanent loan from c mic a nice handheld xlr mic that is really great at cutting out crowd noise but I left it here when I went up there. You will bring dishonor to the bowl. Can you believe it? I could not. I could not for the you life of me. You couldn't believe it. You called me six it. times to make sure it was here. <laughs> I called you once, and then you called me back while I was leaving a voice. Oh, call. I thought I had like six missed calls from you, but it must have been over a period of time. No, you must have adding up. You must be having. <laughs> I'm not clearing my missed P calls. From PTSD you. <laughs> from past times that I've called you over uh, and over until you pick up. Uh, however, yeah. so the Zoom thankfully does have a built-in mic but it captures a lot of sound. So I did the best I could with this uh, short little snippet. Uh, feel free, Lorian, to pause it if you have any questions at any time, but it's about uh, a little under five minutes. Uh, and I sat down with him and-, and What was the guy's name? And I talked. He uh, says his handle. Or handle, sorry. Uh, at the he beginning. Says it? Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Go ahead. I am uh, S2 from the Ronin Dojo Project. Uh, I also go by Guerra Moneta on Twitter. And the so S2 or Guerra Moneta. Okay. If you didn't catch that. I did. Guerra Moneta would be the Twitter handle that he says. But uh, S2, he's a privacy guy, so he doesn't even use his 
uh, government name. He Good probably doesn't him. even have a government name anymore, I don't think. We're a Moneta on Twitter. And essentially, we build uh, Bitcoin hardware and software that enables privacy. So I was curious, um, why privacy? Like, why should people care about uh, Bitcoin privacy? Yeah, that's, that's easy. Um, people should care about privacy in general because everyone has something to hide. Uh, everyone has things that they want to pay for that they don't want people to you know, watch their every move. A perfect example is what happened recently in Canada with the truckers. And just supporting a movement like that could get you in trouble. Uh, and that should be your right to support the causes you want to support and freely say protest and uh, not be persecuted for it. And that's the more hardcore case. Uh, really, we just all have a right to privacy. It's even in the Constitution that you know they, they should not be able to invade our privacy without our permission. Now, tonight you talked about kind of the privacy trifecta. The three most important things to focus on when you're talking Bitcoin privacy would be your mobile operating system, your wallet, and your node. When we're talking privacy and those three things, for the average Bitcoiner who maybe doesn't have a lot of liquidity or doesn't have a lot of extra money to spend, which one is the most important? I'd say the most important to start with is Samurai Wallet. If you have an Android, you can get started with it. It doesn't have to be the Calyx OS private Android. Uh, You can just play around with a small amount of funds on Samurai Wallet on a regular Android and learn about things like uh, Whirlpool and how to hide uh, the transactions that you're spending on-chain. You talked a bit about Calyx OS. I'm a No Agenda listener, and we in the No Agenda community have heard a lot of Graphene OS, which you also mentioned. Uh, I was just curious, uh, because you spent a lot of time on Calyx tonight, I was curious if you know a lot of differences between Calyx and Graphene, if one or the other is preferable for any reason. So I mainly talk about Calyx because it's so easy. Uh, Graphene's a little bit more complex, but also is very strong security. Some things might not work as well out of the box with Graphene, like Maps. Um, Calyx has, uh, it plays with things like Maps and Location Tracking a little bit better. And with Calyx, you do have the option to use Micro-G, which uh, allows you to get access to some of Google services to have more function and more apps, um, versus Graphene, where you cannot use Micro-G. So there's many apps that wouldn't uh, function well. Um, But Graphene, for sure, if if you're the very hardcore type, uh, Graphene is the one you would go with. If you were, you know, kind of an everyday user, kind of a newer user, Calyx is the simple choice. A couple of questions, too, about the Ronin Dojo node. We have one on the table in front of us. It's very beautiful and sleek looking. We had talked earlier about that it is a a Bitcoin core node and that it doesn't have a lightning uh, node built into it or or capabilities yet. In the podcasting 2.0 sphere, uh, I run a Raspy Blitz node. My wife, she runs an Umbral node. And, of course, those are tied directly to our RSS feed so people can boost and stream payments to the show. Is uh, Ronin looking in, Ronin Dojo looking into lighting capabilities? I know you had mentioned some some privacy concerns there, and obviously at the base level, if there's a public key of a node on an RSS, you know that's pretty public. That's about as public as it gets. Uh, what are some of the concerns there? And maybe have you talked about uh, li- a Lightning future? Right now, Lightning has very poor receiver privacy. Um, there is. Uh an initiative going on to change that. Uh, it's called Bolt 12, uh, and we hope to see that more widely adopted. Um, but really, 
uh, with Ronin Dojo node, you know, it's just a Bitcoin core node, and we have to take privacy very seriously because we have users in places that if they get caught using Bitcoin, if there's a mishap, uh, they could there's serious real world implications. You know, we've had users from Iran, Venezuela, places where you, you can't mess up, and so we just have to take it real slow. And uh, you know, Lightning's still being developed; it's got a long way to go. Um, but we're just you know kind of happy to sit on the sidelines and watch it develop, and hopefully we can continue to include anything that increases your privacy. If it helps you transact Bitcoin like it's digital cash, you know, no trace, nobody can follow your funds, then of course we're going to look at adding that. Uh, so it's just a matter of time. You know, if it, maybe the Lightning guys figure it out, maybe they don't. Um, but we'll just kind of stay optimistic and keep watching until it happens. Awesome. I appreciate your time. All right. So um, basically the suite of uh, recommendations he had were in one of those three categories, either a mobile OS, a wallet, or uh, the node itself. Uh, he did mention, I think, another node. I did take some notes here. Um, Ooh, node notes. Nodes. Uh, nodal was the other node he mentioned, but he huh. was like, I mean, he's like, obviously I'm here with Ronin Dojo. So like, it's the one I like the most. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's funny because I've been in sales a lot and, uh, I've not really been in a sales spot of a product I didn't totally believe in. And so I had a lot of rapport with the guy cause I could understand, you know, in that same spot, like. He is there on a mission working for the company that makes this product, right? But um, he's not there because he's just shilling a product to make a check. He's there because he's selling a product he believes in. So um, I know I know in the chat there's a, a little bit of a, a grain of salt kind of stuff. And yeah, we all should take it with a grain of salt and you know look at all options. But uh, Ronin Dojo... The node itself is a fantastic privacy project. Uh, Samurai Wallet and Sparrow Wallet were the two uh, wallets that came top recommended. And then he talked about Calyx OS and Graphene OS uh, in the presentation as far as mobile operating systems go. Now, the chat has updated me and said that uh, MicroG is now supported uh, by Graphene OS, although they've never tried it, C-Dub says. Hmm. CDM says he's never tried it, but uh, that's cool. I uh, I have certain apps in my real estate world that uh, I use to you know get into homes and show homes. And the last time I looked into doing anything graphene related was at least a um, at least a year and a half ago. I want to say. So I, I'm sure a lot has changed in the software since then. But when I first looked at it, um, it wasn't really an option for me just because I wouldn't be able to do that. Now, I'm kind of of the persuasion these days, like if I had the funds built up after a while and I could, uh, you know, like maybe a Christmas present to myself type thing, I could uh, have a private phone and then just have the slave phone. Um, a work phone? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> privacy is an interesting um privacy is an interesting topic especially to me because I I do um I do understand how important, how crucial and how much of a right privacy is. And I've also 
at the same time been a very public person my whole life just in how I operate. Um, you know, not, not with everything, but certainly not with nothing. So I'm always kind of a fence rider and I'm very interested in privacy. I think that I should be more private just as a general blanket statement. But, uh, the guys that know it better than me, uh, make me dizzy when I listen to them and, and talk to them. I think that uh, having a private option to do private things is a really good first step for me, you know. But when I do private things, it's talking to another person face to face, you know. Like yeah, that, exactly. That's what I consider privacy, and I, you know, I do have many private moments. Um, but I don't know. It was very interesting. It got me thinking about a lot of stuff, and uh, I'm gonna try and uh, carve out a spot on the calendar uh, for S two to come by. Oh, cool. For a show, for a, maybe he can do a Bulls with Buds uh, and maybe even bring in uh, a guy from Samurai Wallet too, just so we have kind of two perspectives and two voices and just talk uh, about privacy and security and those kind of things. Because uh, I think it's something that, you know, we talk about jump in the car and drive around, but we don't really talk about like, how do we stay safe? How do we stay secure? How, what what information should I be sharing? What information should I keep private? And it comes down a lot. It comes up a lot uh, when you're troubleshooting with someone and they'll just send you a screen cap or a photo of something. And you're like, you know, I mean, if it's buddies, then you're kind of like, hey, man, just bl- black out your IP or whatever, you know. But at the same time, there's other guys who will be like, well, it doesn't really matter that much. And, and on a certain level, if you want to figure out somebody's IP, it's not impossible. Um, so there's a lot of layers to this onion it's big stinky well, onion we call privacy. Did wasabi come up at all? You know, the guy had incredible composure to not bring up wasabi at all. And I was interested in that. And so I kind of asked him privately at the end about wasabi. Off the and record. he was kind of like, he kind of shrugged and he was like, you know, uh, the Ronin, us Ronin guys have been saying, or uh, I think he might've been talking about samurai. He was like the samurai project has been saying that uh, for a while, you know, of like, look out for Wasabi. Um, just the implementation hmm. wasn't uh, wasn't airtight. There were red flags. So uh, okay. I guess that those guys kind of started off together as many, oh. many things like that. If you look around like uh, like Trader Joe's and Aldi mm-hmm. or uh, there's a lot of these situations where like guys worked directly together and then just at some point had creative differences and parted ways over something like very core like maybe it was privacy or maybe it was absolute privacy and one guy wasn't like an absolutist or whatever it happens to be but he was just like yeah you know we've seen this coming for like years but it's finally like actually out and hit the fan that now they're like doing chain analysis for their coin joints um his services i wanted to kind of talk about just some of the ones that he brought up um but um talking about how to acquire non-KYC'd Bitcoin. Basically, KYC stands for know your customer. And so these big exchanges, um, money traders, are required to gather certain information, certain identifiable information about their customers. So if you've ever bought uh, Bitcoin on an exchange, as I have many times, from Coinbase or from uh, Coinbase Pro or from Kraken or from any of the other ones, you know, uh, depending on how much you're buying, they're going to ask you for a certain amount of personal information, whether it just be a photo and a name or a phone number or an email or all the way up to a social security number. 
just depending on who it is and how much you're buying. The, uh, the, the kind of driving point is that Bitcoin doesn't require that other players do and other gatekeepers to Bitcoin do and other, you know, governments do But Bitcoin itself. The protocol doesn't actually require that. And so there are ways to acquire Bitcoin that isn't KYC or in other words, that isn't attached to, to an identity and it was purchased here. And then it does this or that with it. Um, things like, uh, he mentioned BISC, Agora desk, local crypto, uh, a coin flip ATM requires a phone number, but you could use a burner phone number for that. Uh, and then just direct buying uh, from meet meetups and friends. Um, local Bitcoin servo points out uh, another option. And then uh, the the uh, app that I guess cleans it from KYC history, the coin join per se, uh, is called Whirlpool. And so it's their version of... Uh, how CoinJoin works. Um, but yeah, he had mentioned Bolt 12. I have read a tiny bit of Bolt 12, and I really would like to know uh, a lot more about Bolt 12 and um, maybe even advocate for it, you know? Um, but these are the kind of things that they just got, like, it, they really whet my appetite for more uh, privacy-oriented solutions and, like, how we can be thinking smartly about uh, Bitcoin because the privacy aspect will give us you know, part of its bulletproof, uh, part of its value, part of its worth. Uh, if we have coin and nobody knows we have this coin except for us, uh, Sparrow, did he mention Sparrow? Asked C-Dubs. He did mention Sparrow. Uh, so Samurai wallet, uh, was his sort of like preferred wallet, but, uh, he also did bring up Sparrow as another great wallet, uh, to use. So yeah, uh, look for more of that in the future, but, uh, really got me going. Yeah, our first wolf on the prowl report. That's right. Thanks to the value the bullers have brought us. Now we have our own Zoom. We appreciate it very much. On the go mic. Well, I know you've been dying. I have been. To get back behind the curtain, right? Well, first I got some magic number rundowns to do, but you can hang out here behind the curtain while I read through these. Oh, I'm sorry. I right. was projecting. You, you were being blunt. You're ready for a blunt. You got a blunt. <laughs> Go ahead. It was like, I just need back here. Uh, I can still hear you. Yeah, I know. Shortly before 3.30 p.m. on Sunday, a Sioux Falls man led highway patrol on a 33-mile pursuit. Double magic numbers. I got very excited. Dang. Police chases are always fun to watch. So, uh, I mean, I didn't watch this one, but reading the article was just as titillating. <laughs> he uh, reached speeds of over 130 miles per hour, 22-year-old man driving a BMW, and there was a female passenger who kept opening the door while he was driving, uh, maybe oh, thinking no. about trying to get out, uh, but she didn't. He ended up stopping in the middle of a field, and highway patrol <laughs> troopers, they just plowed their vehicles through that field, sorry field, and took the man into custody. Well, when they went to check on the woman, they saw that he had a six-month-old baby girl in the back and another child under the age of seven. So he was doing this whole crazy chase with these little kids at the back. And uh, anyways, the woman and the kids were taken to uh, a place called Safe Place of Eastern South Dakota. And the man was charged with four felonies, four misdemeanors, and one petty offense. This came up because his initial appearance was today... And he's due back in court March 30th. So, 
Another magic number popped up this week with the story everyone's talking about. 33 bison were donated to Native American tribes from Denver. Whoa. Yes, I'm sure no one's talking about this, but I am. Uh, (laughs) 15 are going to the Northern Arapaho tribe in Wyoming, 17 to the Cheyenne and Arapaho in Oklahoma, and one is going to the Tall Bull Memorial Council in Colorado which uh, represents the indigenous groups of the Denver area. Bison. They're pretty awesome. Tasty morsels. Yeah. A lot of meat. Make them bison burgers. Mm. Big meat. And finally, a poll of U.S. adults found that 33% have tried a product with CBD in it. I guess this is my cue to come back into the curtain. Here. I got to jiggle the curtain. Oh, yeah. You can come back here. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. 50% 50% of millennials have tried CBD products. Surprise, surprise. Um, nice. And it looks as though gummies and creams are the top-ranking products that people are buying with CBD in them. Shout out to Lavender Blossoms. Their solve is awesome. It smells really good. And uh, the top benefit people see with CBD is pain relief. That's why people seek it out, according to this poll. Do we have a poll after poll? ISO oh, somewhere? Man. I'm uh, sorry to put you on the spot, but... Poll after poll. Um, bowl but, after bowl till he's sick. Oh, that's close. <laughs> uh, the leading appeal for millennials is mental health enhancements. I don't know. Oh boy. I'm not here to I'm not here to shit on C B D or promote it. I feel meh about it. Yeah, C B D is like uh, you know, it it never did anything for me, but I've met a lot of people who have told me that it helps them a lot. And most of those people have specifically like chronic pain, arthritis, things of this nature. Um, the only people I have met early on with CBD was those suffering from epilepsy or what they called intractable epilepsy, which is when you have to go through the process of not getting relief from three different pharma products. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, here's CBD. They started with Charlotte's Web and stuff. The intractable scam is that uh, you still have to buy at least three pharmaceutical products. Right. Before you can get your actual medicine that's going to help you. So for me, I don't know. I don't have arthritis. So I don't, I'm not sure if I did have it, if I'd find relief in CBD. But I like good old weed. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Just whole plant, man. I love weed. Whole plant. Whole plant. Whole nice. plant weed. But, you know, body solves are nice. And lavender blossom smells really nice. And I type all day, so I'm sure uh, someday I'm going to have those messed up claw hands. gnarly knuckles. Yeah, gnarly knuckles. Uh, Well, coof me, baby, one more time. Uh, Not many (coughs) COVID stories going on this week. Oh, shit. Thank goodness. And uh, you might have noticed, this is weird, no Russia in the top 333 this week. Yeah. Did that kind of evaporate? Thank goodness. Ah, it wasn't on my radar. Interesting. I mean, I'm a stony baloney, so I might have missed something, but I didn't <laughs> I didn't see anything this week. But I did see uh, there were 33 coof deaths in India, 33 new cases in Rock Island County, Illinois, and then two headlines. Uh, COVID-19 cases drop 33 times in March in Kazakhstan, and just 0.25% of ballot health employees parentheses, 33, sidelined due to refusing vaccine. So 33 times, they dropped 33 times, like 33 occurrences where they dropped? Or like, it's like a multiplication, but <laughs> it, reversed. It's multiplication reversed. Okay. 
That's hard to visualize. It's very hard to visualize. 33 times less. Like, how do you have 33 times less, you know? They just needed the number in the headline. I think so. I know so. Because it's like, if it's a month, you can't, you probably don't take statistics 33 times in one month. Right. You would say, like, there were half as many cases this month from last month. Or yeah, it's, it's dropped It's dropped 5%. Like, it may be a percentage, but no. It's an awkward way to word it, but yeah. what are you going to do? Now, this... Uh, them trying to make it like, oh, it's not a big deal that 33 employees were fired because they didn't want to get the jab at Ballot Health. They point out, oh, that's 33 out of 13,000. And uh, there were 63, but 30 of them got pressured into taking that first dose oh, by the deadline. Well, so good. I feel so good about they that. They mentioned that... Uh, 30 were coerced. Somewhere between 1,600 and 1,700 received medical or religious exemption, which is one in eight. They break it down for us, you know. And, um, yeah, there's 450 who still have to get their second dose by, uh, oh, well, maybe they didn't update it, but March 11th was their deadline to get the second one. Ruh row. So, yeah, but only 33 people fired. And I'm like, man, 33 heroes, 33 people standing up for what they believe in. You know, I shouldn't have to have a medical or religious paperwork to not get medicine in my body that I don't want, is my opinion. Yeah. But what do I know? I'm just hanging out behind the curtain. So at the request of the United States, the UN Commission on Narcotic Drugs voted to control three chemical precursors that are used to manufacture fentanyl. Just adding more things to controlled substances lists. Oh, this time, hooray. of course, it's going on to the 1988 convention. Because that's what? how the UN names things. Damn. Oh, this this year's convention is our set list. Uh, but anyways, I don't, I'm not going to lie, I don't really understand the ins and outs of the UN. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I'm just pretending. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, but from what I understand, uh, well, I was, okay, I'm just going to post this in the chat. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, the White House little press release on this whole deal. What pisses me off is I'm like, okay, I was going to put in my show notes the three chemicals that are the precursors mentioned. Well, they put in parentheses the abbreviations for these chemicals. I would, I'm going to sound ridiculous trying to say them, uh, but the first one was 4-aninopiperidine, okay? And they put 4-AP. My favorite! So I looked up 4-AP to see what the chemical is or does or whatever, that's the wrong friggin' chemical. It goes to 4-aminopyridine. That's not what it <laughs> says as the oh, precursor no. to fentanyl. So there's no editing going on in this press release. And anyways, by the time I had scrolled down to the bottom, they had mentioned so many different freaking chemicals. I can't tell you what the three are. Uh, Norfentanyl was listed. I guess that makes sense because it has fentanyl in it. And uh, well, another funny thing, coincidence don't know can't be uh 4ap 4-ap when you look it up it's the name of a cannabis test kit used by law enforcement specifically in virginia uh-oh so uh it was pinging red flags all over the place for me as i was trying to dig into this um and then yeah the other two chemicals that i nailed down uh for the fentanyl precursors were NPP and ANPP. Now, sorry, I didn't write down the full names, but 
I have the show notes, you know, look it up, whatever. Um, But then they also scheduled two synthetic opioids, brorphine and metonitazine, under Schedule 1 of the 1961 Convention on Narcotic Drugs. And then while they were at it, they threw a synthetic stimulant, Eudalone, under Schedule 2. So here we are, different people, different folks, just scheduling all these drugs away. And it just ticks me off. You know, I, I don't know what these chemicals have the potential to do outside of being used to make fentanyl. But I'm sure they've been used for other things. You know, they're just chemicals, simple chemicals. What you do, it's not their fault that you can use them to make fentanyl. And also, why aren't the hospitals being banned from using fentanyl on patients? You know, they're only attacking street fentanyl. That's what really ticks me off. Where do you think addiction begins? It begins when you get an injury and that's what they give you. And you said, man, that shit made me feel really good. And now I'm in pain because you sent me home with Tylenol. I need to get my hands on the stuff that made me feel good because I'm in pain. Maybe that's just my opinion. No, I mean, that's that's the story of the last, you know. I've used, not used, excuse me, but when I went to the emergency room, for like the only time in my life with the ectopic pregnancy, they gave me fentanyl and I was pissed because they didn't tell me what it was before they gave it to me. Yeah. And I freaked out. I was just like, man, I've got, there's opioid addiction that runs in my family. Like I really don't want to touch this stuff. And the next thing you know, like I had been laying in the fetal position this whole time in intense pain, like the worst pain of my life. And I got up. I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to walk across the hall. I'm going to do a little dance. I feel freaking great. You remember that? (laughs) Yeah. I was just high as a kite. And to the point where, like, before the surgery, I'm like, hey, so you you guys going to give me any more of that fentanyl? The nurses were like, "Uh, because you can't joke. You can't joke around or anything. And and I was just like, man, it was too good. Of course, you're not going to give me any more of that. You're on a seeker list. <laughs> yeah. Like, immediately. You wake up from the surgery and they're like, here's some Tylenol and then it burns when it goes in through the IV. Mm. Ugh, not the pain I'm, you know, not the high I'm looking for. Not Yuck. high at all. <laughs> Tylenol. <laughs> I'm sorry. This wasn't special at all. I don't want Tylenol. I want Hylenol. Give me some weed, dang nabbit. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. If only it were so simple. I mean, seriously, weed would have been great, but whatever. Also this week, the U.S. Sentencing Commission released their 2021 annual report, and it revealed that drug trafficking is the most commonly sentenced federal crime. Surprise, surprise, the war on drugs is alive and well, kicking ass. Uh, It made up 31% of the caseload. I was crossing my fingers for a magic 33%, but they didn't give it to me. So close. So close. And that's uh, up. That's up from 25% in 2020. So, point to the Dusty Man. It's his fault. (laughs) I don't know. We know it. Shouldn't play blame games, I suppose. Um, It is worth noting, though, that weed cases were at the bottom of drug prosecutions. So that's good. You know, free the weed. Yeah, we call that. Uh, I think that's a that's a step it's in the right direction. In the right direction, after, after all. all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction, after all. Now, on no agenda this weekend, it was revealed that Brittany Griner, who was allegedly caught with cannabis vape oil cartridges in Russia. 
Yeah, I remember that. Has played for a Russian team for seven years. <laughs> that was okay. funny, wasn't it? That was, wow. That's interesting. Uh, she's, what, jailed till May 19th, and John C. Dvorak pointed out that the WNBA season starts May 9th or 10th. So, oh, that lines up pretty well. You know, that's a good date to have around. Yeah, what do you Very think she gets out, like, a couple weeks early? Oh, to get back in time yeah, for, to be a part for of opening day. I, I don't think that. I don't think she'll be here for opening day because I think that when the season starts, that's going to be like the perfect time for all the press to like go in uh, on the story more and good old shoe her. I keep saying uh, good old shoe, you know, like a wag the dog reference. Like we need a, and I think uh, Dvorak or Adam said martyr, you know, there needs to be a martyr. Yeah. Like some, some American we're rooting for, like, we got you. We're going to save you. We're going to bring you back. Bring back our girl, Brittany. <laughs> you start hearing all these old ones. Like, remember Bring Back Our Girls? Man, yeah. that was a hot minute ago. Yeah, that was a while back. Well, anyways, an interesting thing happened this past week. Yeah. Uh, two interesting things. First, Hillary Clinton decided to tweet about this with a little Free Britney. Oh, boy. Now, when I hear Free Britney, I think Britney Spears. Who's done been freed. Of course. But now they're hijacking that to Britney with two T's. Ah. And she tagged an article in there from the BBC, which calls Miss Griner the Tom Brady of women's basketball. Interesting. I thought that was Cheryl Swoops. I know nothing about sports. So That's the just... only WNBA player I know. I'm so <laughs> wow. Sorry. It's all right. Sorry, NBA, WNBA lovers. Cheryl Swoops. That's a great name for basketball. Swoops. She's like the Michael Jordan of the WNBA. She swoops. She scores. Yeah, this is the perfect name for basketball. It's a swoop dunk. And for swooping. And uh, then there was a media round table with a Blinken, Anthony Blinken, uh, which I didn't find a video of, but I have the full transcript of it, which will be posted in the show notes. And Blinken says... Russia is violating international law by not providing American officials direct access to her. Uh-huh. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I don't know. Remember the when that girl maybe murdered people in Italy and stuff? Like, did she have direct access? Yeah, to... I forgot about that thing. I can't remember her name. I was in high school when that happened. I but forgot like, about that, that whole fiasco. Is that really a thing? Like, we, you're American, so you get direct access to... <sighs> to me, it's I like mean... you... You got, if you commit a crime in a foreign country, it's like, oof, you're under their rules. You're yeah, in their house, right? you know, I've seen enough episodes of Locked Up Abroad. Amanda to Knox. Know that. <laughs> Phoenix in the Bowl. Oh, yeah, Amanda Knox. Nailed it, yeah. Amanda Knox. You've yeah, seen episodes nice. of Locked Up Abroad? Oof, I've never heard of that one. You never heard of Locked Up Abroad? No. Oh, that man. That doesn't sound fun at all. It's not. It's pretty gritty. It's pretty gritty. Hitting you with telephone books and stuff? Yeah, you know, different things. I don't know. I remember this one was like, they were like in some kind of South American prison and they were like playing Russian roulette and shit. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Craziness. Yeah. Well, that's probably what they're doing with Brittany Griner since she's in Russia playing a little roulette of <laughs> their knows? home country. Well, uh, this week, Alaska Representative Don Young passed away. He wasn't young, though. He was 88. Ooh. Um, and... He was the longest serving member of the United States House, first elected in the 1970s. I don't understand why there's not term limits. Yeah, that's why It'll I never mean, make sense. That's one way to get a new representative, I guess. His cause of death hasn't been stated yet, but I bring him up because he was the Republican 
who introduced one of them who introduced the common sense cannabis bill to end prohibition by removing weed from the Controlled Substances Act. So there's lots of pictures of him at grow cultivation facilities holding up plants and stuff. He didn't look 88. Stony boy. Yeah, the weed keeps you young looking, I think. I think so. Unless you're Willie Nelson, then you just always look pretty old. (laughs) He has always looked a little (laughs) old, but he's got wonderful braids. I love his braids. He's looked like a 70-year-old man for 40 years. (laughs) An Arkansas judge extended the temporary restraining order preventing the issuance of two remaining cannabis licenses. So, uh... They've been sued by a Little Rock-based company, Absolute Essence, LLC, for a discriminatory application process, um, and their attorney filed the motion to extend this restraining order to not give out those business licenses, saying, quote, we're confident we can prove the allegations that we've made in our complaint. However, a ruling on the state's motion to dismiss the case is also pending, so we'll see where it goes. Could all be thrown out the window. Oh, boy. Uh, Colorado activists have chosen one of the four approved psychedelic initiatives to start gathering signatures for to get it onto the November ballot. Do you have my I Love Mushrooms ISO? Oh, my goodness. It's all right if you know. Anyways, it's titled the Natural Medicine Health Act. It'll be Initiative 58, and it legalizes psilocybin, expunges records, and creates licenses for therapeutic use health centers uh, that adults 21 and older can go to. So, uh, coincidentally, they are backed by the new approach pack, who, of course, passed by... Oh, you found it. Mm -hmm. I love mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I love mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I love mushrooms. Uh, That player cuts it off. I'm sorry. You doofus. Yeah. I need to delete groove music altogether. Fletcher was No joke. Fletcher was right. He's that always guy's right. Fucking right. That guy's always fucking right, dude. <laughs> but yeah, coincidence. That guy's fucking right. They're backed by new approach pack. You know, the dudes with the money and the yeah, political they, ties. Those guys can are get the job done. They got their fingers deep in every state, deep in every hole. What can yeah. I say? So uh, makes nothing but sense to me. If they wanted to add additional psychedelics, you know, to the list of approved ones that you can use. The Department of Regulatory Agencies would have that power as long as they consult with the board that will be created through this act. Uh, There's also a group called Decriminalize Nature Colorado that's gathering signatures. They have a one-page measure, which I always appreciate. Short and sweet, easy to read, easy to understand. And it allows adults 21 and older to possess, cultivate, gift, or deliver psilocybin, psilocin, ibogaine, mescaline, and DMT. Dang. Yeah, a lot broader. Um, And it says that it's lawful to conduct psychedelic services for guidance, therapy, and harm reduction, along with spiritual purposes, with or without accepting payment, though it would not be legal to sell the psychedelics. And this is so that there's no licensing on any side. Oh, Because the other one... I actually am down with that. New Approach Pack is already proposing health center licenses for therapeutic use. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know sterilizing psychedelics is so strange to me if you want to trip with your therapist fine go do that but like that shouldn't be the only way you can do it is with a medical provider you know yeah that's kind of weird how about microdosing and some tea i mean you don't even trip you just feel great and laugh a lot and have a good time i don't know 
I do love mushrooms. I've heard that about you. I love mushrooms. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a clean ISO someday. Uh, the Colorado Court of Appeals ruled that the Department of Revenue can be considered a victim entitled to restitution when a defendant evades marijuana excise taxes. Isn't that fine and dandy? Oh, great. Yeah. There were 31 co-defendants charged as a drug trafficking organization uh, involved with illegal cultivation, meaning they didn't have licenses, of course, um, and two pled guilty. So uh, their offenses, tax evasion, along with other crimes, uh, they received probationary sentences since they pled guilty. And the government sought to recover nearly $300,000 in unpaid taxes. Uh, the judge wrote, in her ruling that the victim in this case is society, not the government. <laughs> because, you know, the tax revenue goes to my roads and stuff. Uh, the, so the, society loses. The victim are the uh, slush fund benefactors, dude. Well, that's why the prosecutors turned to the Court of Appeals and argued that under state law, a victim is someone who's aggrieved by the conduct of an offender, which means it's the government. And, uh, you know, specifically the Department of Revenue. Because it's a monetary loss to them. The victim is society. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. It was a victimless crime. I know. It's very frustrating. The whole thing. Like, you were growing weed. And maybe you made some money off of it. But you can't make money without paying the troll toll to the government. You know? Big Brother needs his cut. If society could be a victim, could society be the perp? Because society has fucked up a lot more. I got some uh I got some things to take society to court for for sure. <laughs> well, is, that, anyway. is that the is that the uh now the floodgate we're opening? Step in line, sue society. <sighs> no, that's I mean I don't think it's happened yet. You could be the first, I guess, if you want to try. I'm gonna call uh, my guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. But the case will be uh returning to district court now to calculate the amount that the defendants owe to the government. So, you know, but they they have to prove that their actions caused monetary loss to the Department of Revenue. So hopefully they just don't or can't. But yeah, hopefully it's a high barrier there. Yeah, I, I'm not going to hold my breath, though, because the government always gets its cut. Yep. Let's be real. Uh, Colorado Springs ballot measure to allow recreational sales is approved for signature gathering. So go ahead and sign it if you're in the area and you want to be able to buy weed legally there and pay taxes on it and whatever yeah i like money though that's what colorado springs is saying they love missing it. out without those uh, legal sales i like money yeah yeah a lawsuit was filed against cartersville georgia local police over a mass arrest with less than an ounce of pot at the middle of it yeah. uh and now they are paying they being the local police, $900,000 to those that they arrested. Whoa. It was 64 young party goers, and it was New Year's Eve of 2017. There were reports of gunshots, but no evidence of any, and the officers claimed that they smelled weed while they were driving by. Now, the city of Cartersville, Georgia, has a policy that allows warrantless home entry on the mere basis of... Of the odor of weed. Boo. So the cops walked into the party. It was a birthday party, by the way. Detained everyone, and as I said, found less than an ounce. Uh, all 64 people were held for one to three days 
in jail without access to court or counsel. Um, the jail staff placed signs on their holding cells that read the party crew. Um, if you complained about the way you're being treated, you got put in solitary. And then there were other egregious things going on, like an epileptic was not given their medication until the third day of detention. A pregnant woman was denied her prenatal pills and received no care for morning sickness. So she's just throwing up all over herself in her room, not even getting a glass of water or anything. And a diabetic received the wrong dosage of insulin, which caused a bunch of problems. So after now, no, here's the kicker. After 12 days, all of the charges were dismissed. Oh my God. Of course. But because the booking photos are are probably still online, all these mugshots and stuff, these people lost jobs. They yep. lost scholarships. Yep. I mean, their reputation is damaged irreparably. These are young people, and they ruin their fucking lives over an ounce of weed between 64 people. And, of course, it's just some f- some hot jock cop who, by three words, I smell weed, can somehow totally erase the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. Like, what are you talking about? Warrantless entry to a home because I smell weed. That's the most horseshit, unconstitutional policy. It's ridiculous. And this is a great win for these folks. And, you know, getting paid some money back for having to deal with that egregiousness, that... Ugh, just being treated not like a human at all and just being having your life ruined and early age like i'm glad that they won this suit but the city policy hasn't been rescinded so until that changes you know they could just keep doing this to people yeah it's insane that's my that would be my worry it's insane and someone it's should just, challenge it at the supreme court <laughs> level because it's just bullshit yeah it's just crazy too that there's, uh, like, legal states, you know, recreational legal states. And then there's states where if you get caught with a little bit of pot, you're going to jail. It's just wild yeah, under these a... United States. And I know, state state law, state by state, and you know, live in a state that you jive with if you can. But just sucks. Anyway, yeah. uh, what doesn't suck in Georgia, though, is that a judge is stalling the district attorney's effort to ban cannabis extracts like Delta 8 and such, um, by putting a 30-day restraining order on them from prosecuting people for selling or possessing the extracts, because now they want to come after all that stuff. Can you imagine if they were going after people for CBD extracts? Yeah, I know. They might be. I don't know. Who knows? I don't live there, but good for this judge for standing up for the people. I heard that, you know, hemp was 50-state legal, and if you're extracting these things from hemp, then shouldn't they be 50-state legal? Oh, no, this is a loophole, isn't it? So stupid. It's weed. It's weed, people. Come on. <laughs> or hemp, in this case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Almost weed. Uh, Rope that looks like weed. Yeah. Weed's harmless little brother. <laughs> An Illinois judge uh, lifted... The injunction that was in place due to this uh, huge case of people trying to get their can of business licenses and uh, has released the craft licenses, although not exactly sure when the 60 businesses that should have been awarded their licenses will get them. Um, but yeah, they'll be joining uh, 40 businesses that are already struggling to become operational. There'll be 100 struggling to make do as a craft licensee in Illinois. 
Because um, with the craft license, you're only allowed 5,000 feet of canopy. Okay. And I hear that that's just not enough to be profitable. Interesting. When you've got, you know, big growers out there. Yeah. So it's like the micro licenses they're proposing in Missouri. It's so, uh, it's kind of derogatory. The whole licensing thing is gross. You want to grow weed? Grow weed. Yeah. I mean, but, they're just making it. But, you know. This, yeah, they want to have total control over every aspect of your life, you know. I don't rule the world. I'm not made of money. I don't pull the political strings. So. I have a license to give people a fucking haircut. It's ridiculous. The joke. Um, in Montana, expungement forms are now available. And under the state law, the court will presume someone is eligible for expungement unless the county attorney proves otherwise. And they have only 21 days to contest a petition. So um, it's not auto expungement, but it should move smoothly, filling out the form and going through the court process. Always good to see that happening, working as the people voted for. Yeah. Um, in Nebraska, activists are hosting 100 signature drives to collect signatures on their pair of proposals because, of course, medical weed was not allowed to be voted on in Nebraska because it violated, it's the rare, you know, petition that violated the state's one-topic rule because it dealt with giving patients medical cards and access to cannabis and then having retail stores to sell it. Oh, that's two different subject matters. So yeah. you got to have two petitions. Well, they do now. And they need 87,000 verified signatures by July 7th. So get out there and put your name on the thing and get the medical pot yeah. in Nebraska and stick it to Caillou. <laughs> Governor Caillou. Watch them say there's like three things going on now. They need three petitions. I don't even want to think about it. You know, just like... When it's such an uphill battle because of the politics of your state, that sucks. Yeah, just like uh, they're shutting every door. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I hope they get it. I do, too. Um, here's one I thought. Uh, I should have maybe brought it up during the on-chain, off-chain bit, but uh, an Oklahoma House bill just got filed, and I don't normally talk about filed bills because they usually don't go anywhere. But this one is looking to utilize blockchain technology to help legal medical businesses and also combat illegal businesses. <laughs> Ooh. So, uh, yeah, you know, what do you think about that? Because since they can't use banks, right. use the blockchain. I mean, that's a that's a great solution. What do you see? It's any the of? ultimate workaround. So you can, I mean, the whole beauty of Bitcoin is that you can, it's, it's a peer-to-peer -peer cash payment system. That doesn't involve the payment going through a financial institution. And I mean, that's that's in paragraph one of the Bitcoin white paper, if you ever read it. That's the original concept, it's the original idea, it's the whole purpose of it. So yeah, I think that's a perfect use case for it. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and you know, decentralization, man, for the win. Beats the hell out of centralized shit. They can't yeah. keep their stuff running to save their lives. But, you know, the the bill says it would be voluntary also. So if you want to keep collecting cash and getting robbed all the time, then go for it. Uh, speaking of which, two medical growers in Oklahoma were raided and robbed by six individuals cosplaying as law enforcement oh, no. recently. Yeah. They had what appeared to be a search warrant in hand, and they showed up, they walked in, said, um, we're the Oklahoma Marijuana Board. 
And unfortunately, this isn't the first time it's happened. And uh, it's gone on at some dispensaries with folks saying they're from the marijuana board and claiming that there's violations that they need to be paid for, taking all the cash and such. And uh, it's interesting because the, well, they're not called the Oklahoma Marijuana Board. It's the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority. I see. Authority. And they hired six enforcement officers last year. So they got the number of dudes right to make it look legit. <laughs> they showed up. They had badges. All six of them. All the shiny stuff. You know, like they were really working it. And these people were convinced that they had to, you know, just let them come in and take what they wanted. And they took cell phones and cash mostly. So. Ugh. It's stupid. That's terrible. So they're on the hunt for those dudes. But. Ugh. Pulling over every cop in the area. Are you those dudes? Are you those dudes? I know. I, I wonder, like, what vehicle did they take to get there? Were they on foot? You know, like, how did they They have one of those out-of-commission police cars, and then they just put fake little cherries and berries lights on top of it? They all rollerbladed in and rollerbladed out. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I the don't know. perfect crime. They did not talk about how they got in and out. But what they were talking about this week is South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem signing more bills related to weed. Uh-oh. Okay, Senate Bill 19 changes the medical law to allow nursing homes, treatment centers, mental health centers, and so on and so forth, to implement restrictions on weed use within their facilities, which protects them from being forced to store and administer medical weed to medical patients. Isn't that beautiful? Our nursing home workers shouldn't be forced to inject marijuanas into the elderly. It just makes you sick thinking about what they do. Will inject or give to the elderly oh, folks? Definitely. But weed? No. They might, you know, be conscious and well of mind and live longer. That's really what they don't want is you to live longer. Well, they want you to live long, but just not. Oh, in a vegetated state? Just not yeah. happily. You're right. They just want you to be dependent on all these different... You, they don't want you to truly live. 70 pills a day kind of regimen. Truly living is a threat to the system at large. And happiness, yeah. That's the... Happiness is the ultimate fuck you to the system at large. And anyways, um, <laughs> Senate Bill 21, she signed, requires... Oh, this is this one jostled my jimmies this one requires the health department to provide written notice if they revoke a previously issued medical patient card because before they didn't need a reason to revoke a medical card oh, that's geez. actually a good one i was like good yeah. job christy uh that one makes sense they you should have to tell someone why they can't have access to their medicine imagine if this were any other drug oh we see that you don't have your tylenol card on you today so it looks like that got revoked. You you need to leave now. You can't even be in the Tylenol store. You so can't buy Tylenol. Stupid. It's just the silly. health department says that you are a Tylenol abuser. You have Tylenol use disorder. Can't do that. Uh, Senate Bill twenty four, Chief signed, which I talked about last time. I guess I was a bit premature on it, but she did sign it. The one that places the four plant cap on home grow. Right, the big um, compromise. The language was two. Okay, this was my language because they're a two growing bud. That's certainly not how they wrote it down. But the other, the way that they wrote it was that the other two, the immature plants, cannot be beyond seedling stage. So you get 
I was like, so, so... So two growing bud and then two not beyond seedling? That's correct. Uh, so I'm like, is a, is a so you clone have to beyond just, seedling? You have to like, just kill them during the veg? Or like, what is the, what are they not count during veg? What's the deal? Yeah, they're not counting. They know nothing about weed. Or is it unlimited during veg? <laughs> I would love that, but that's not... Hey, hey, dumb fucks. It makes it very clear that it's a four plant cap. And I think... I'm not sure how this works. I don't know if you have to get approval to homegrow or what, but I wouldn't be surprised at this rate. Incredible. Uh, Senate Bill 26 adds physicians' assistants and nurse practitioners to the list of medical professionals who can certify patients as qualifying for medical weed use. Hooray. Yay. Because when do you see a doctor? Like, one minute, shake the hand, thanks for paying me, and then they leave. That's it. My nurse told me all your symptoms and blah, 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 and she also told me what the diagnosis is. So I'm going to sign my name to the prescription, and there you go. Have a wonderful day. Um, Yeah. Senate Bill 118 clarifies testing requirements that products must be tested in batches exceeding no more than 50 pounds. Uh, and then Senate Bill 201 modified, not exactly weed-related, but modifies the Industrial Hemp Statute of South Dakota, allowing the health secretary to waive fingerprinting requirements for certain growers and adding flexibility to hemp producers and manufacturers to temporarily exceed the 0.3% THC limit. God bless, because that, I feel like, might be difficult. Like, imagine if you have 0.4% and then you get cops showing up killing your plants or something. <laughs> so goofy. All of these arbitrary numbers that they pick. Yeah, God. and the other thing, too, is like, man, stoners are uh, intelligent, innovative. We'll figure out a way around it. You want Delta 9 THC? It just has to be 0.3% of the weight, you know, and the weight. So, yep. like, okay, I'll just make a heavy edible but it's still got yeah. Delta 9 in it, and then you can buy it totally legally. 50 state legal. 50 state Dumbasses. legal. Dumbasses. is my favorite phrase. I love it when they say it's 50 state legal. Here's one. Uh, move over N-word, because the M-word has come to town. Oh, God. You know what I'm talking about. Marijuana. Can't say it. Don't say it in the state of Washington, because oh, Governor Jay God. fucking Inslee signed House Bill 1210 into law, which has replaced... MJ with cannabis in the state's legal code. If you want to keep doing your marijuana, then you're going to have to show me your naked body. There's a lot of songs that say marijuana in them, and a lot of people, maybe in one of them. Although I say weed most frequently. Yeah, weed. But, I like weed. Uh, make, I'm sorry, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but giving words that much power is just ridiculous. Sticks and stones, motherfucker. Yeah, well, you know. Everybody's gotta be saying the right thing. No, they don't. <laughs> you just have to not give a fuck what people think about you. That's uh, that's the power move, definitely. Oh, here's a power move. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see. I thought this. Uh, I can see both sides on this one. Uh, the world's first hemp-based barrister's wig was unveiled this week. That's right. We're talking about attorneys over the pond in England who have to wear horsehair wigs. Right. Move over, horsehair wigs, because a dude showed up with one made out of hemp this week hey. and totally broke the tradition, the centuries-long tradition. Oh, no. Yeah. Was for, everybody uh, wigging out? They were wigging out <laughs> so bad that I heard about it over here in America, the land that doesn't give a fuck about you, England. Yeah. Just kidding. There's a lot of people who are really wrapped up in English shit, and I'm not one of them. Yeah. But, yeah, so on one side, it's like, damn, breaking tradition. 
I think traditions are cool, you know? But I also think wearing a horsehair wig is pretty silly. Wearing a wig in general is pretty silly. For a job, like, that's the job requirement. You must wear this powdered wig. I'm sorry, it's probably just white horsehair. So this dude walks in. You have to say, Yeah, this dude walks in with a hemp wig. I don't know. French fashion, you know. Showed up in the 1600s. Because he told everyone. Oh, they see... It's like because uh, he's a vegan, you know. He's like, I don't want horse hair. I'm a vegan. Of course, that's how you know. I don't want. It's like that age old joke, you know. Like, how do you know if someone's a vegan? Because they tell. Yeah, they won't shut up about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Plus, I mean, it's great. It's great press for him. He got his name all over the news, you know. And maybe people will be like, "Oh, seek out that guy as my attorney or whatever the hell he's doing." A barrister. Yeah. How do you know if someone runs Linux? Mm. How do you know if someone uh, drives an EV? Mm. Well, they will also tell everyone else to buy one, which pisses me off. Nothing against people who are vegans, run Linux, or drive EVs. I'm at least one of those, but, you know. You know. Uh, What I do know is that TerraSend Corp. became the first major U.S. cannabis operator to launch a mobile retail app. It's only for iOS devices, though, so... Uh And, uh, of course... It's for customers in New Jersey and California, and it pissed me off that they were the first U.S. cannabis operator to do this because they are based in Canada. Oh, no. Yeah. Get out of here. What's going on, man? Americans, where is your mobile retail app? That's freaking easy. That's like day one shit. Jog on, eh? You want to pick stuff up? You want to buy stuff from me? Here's an app. Put it in your order. Come pick it up. It'll be ready. Bada bing, bada boom. Oh, well. And my final story for Behind the Curtain tonight to round things out is that ASTM, ASTM International, has launched a standard symbol for intoxicating weed products. It's the standard yellow warning triangle with a black pot leaf in the center of it and a black border around it. I feel like I've already seen it on weed products, but it could just be my mind, you know, filling in the blank now. Mm. But yeah, yellow triangle, weed in it. It means you're... Probably going to get high if you ingest this or smoke this or whatever, which, yeah, it's weed. It's the kind you want, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> Warning, this shit might work. Warning, this shit might be good. You know what else is good? What's that? Hearing from the bowlers. Well, you know what else is even good, too? Hearing from the Rev. Hearing from the Rev, Hell yeah. my, my man, the Rev Cyber Trucker. You know he came in. A great in. bowler. You know he came in with a metal moment. You ready to get at that? Yeah, where in the world? In the bowl and in the morning. This here is the Reverend Cybertrucker and Kenny with this week's Metal Moment. Formed in Milan in 2017, Frozen Crown is probably one of the best examples of power metal that Italy has to offer. This particular track, Far Beyond, comes off of their 2019 album, Crowned in Frost.
Yeah. Oh. Woo. I was feeling that shit. Oh, yeah, you were. You were feeling that shit. Yes. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. Thank you once again, Rev Cyber Trucker. We love you, Rev Cyber Trucker. You can follow him on No Agenda Social at Rev Cyber Trucker at No Social.com. He's always got a, another poll or a uh, way that you can weigh in and steer where the metal moment goes next all over the world. That's right. You got to check out the Rev's poll. Check his poll out. It's a fantastic poll, is what I've heard. It'll be uh, linked in the show notes, too. Uh, what well, won't be linked in the show notes are our callers' voicemails because you got to go right here to get to them. And uh, easy to do. You just call 816-607-3663. You can leave a brief message about the first time you ever found a sex toy. Like this caller surely did. So the F-tie for this week being the first time I ever found a sex toy. Well, <clears throat> I personally never found a sex toy. My parents were way too guarded for that. But I can tell you about the time my son found a pretty pink Whoa. dildo that I had because my ex-husband insisted that I buy one. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm i in the kitchen and he comes running out with this thing in his hand and he's biting it. Now, thank God I never used this thing, <laughs> so it wasn't that Lord. big of a deal. But, oh, my God, I was mortified. <laughs> in the bowl, y'all. Smoke him if you got him. Clean it out. In the bowl. In the bowl. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, that is not a chew toy. No, not a chew toy. Yeah. Especially if it, like, activated, turned on, like, rattling the teeth. Ouch. Chew! Bless you. Oof. Blessings abound. Oh, we have a PS. The waters were rough, but I braved the storm. Returning to your arms, so safe and warm. My arms long to hold you forever in three short months since we've been together. My heart is full of your love for me. I love you, Infinity, times 33. Infinity times 33. It's the magic number. That's a big old number of magic, tell you what. The princess of poetry over here. Uh, one more. So, what I forgot to say in my in my F-tie was that I hope that I'm on top of Phone Boy tonight, because it seems like every single time we call in, I don't know how we do it, he always ends up on top of me in the stack of voicemails. Get your minds out of the gutter. Or don't. I don't care. <laughs> so, because I had to end my voicemail really quick last time, I'm going to add a little bit to that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't see a purpose in, in a sex toy. I just want to put that out there. Because when you have exactly what you want, and they satisfy you completely. I mean, you all know. I, I was in a relationship with a woman for many years. There's no substitute for the real thing, y'all. It's glorious. It's amazing. And appreciate your penises, ladies. Well, those that are on your men anyway. Obviously, if women had penises, it would get weird. But anyways, yeah. So, Phoenix out. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl, Phoenix. He threw me for a loop for a second. I was like, wait... Appreciate your penises, ladies, but I got, I got it. I track it on the other side of that. She worked it out. She worked it out. Listen, ladies. Yeah, you know. It's, uh, God made them perfect, okay? Genuine wiener. They fit perfectly. Like a, like a sloppy puzzle piece. Into the clit slit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a sloppy puzzle piece for y'all. Puzzle me this one. 
I got to call in way early because uh, I don't think I'll be able to catch the show live tonight. I'm going to go see a concert. Nice. Depending on how the show goes, though, I might have a headphone in. You never know. Uh, <laughs> first time I ever saw a sex toy, I was looking in the mirror and I stuck my tongue out. I was like, hey yo. Hey yo. But all jesting aside, I would have to surmise first time I actually saw a sex toy, it was probably in Spencer's Gift, the classic staple of the mall experience. And uh, I, I never really cared for Spencer's after they had that sort of urban hip redesign and everything went to brick. I'm talking like the old school Spencer's when you used to be able to go there to buy those 3D busts where it looked like someone's face was coming out of a wall panel and it was all painted and glow in the dark paint so it was, you know, glow in the black light. You know, back when they had all sorts of cool lights and the the general vibe of the, of the store wasn't so crass because you go there now, like, I mean, not that I'm opposed, but, you know, you can go get a t-shirt that says Mount Andumi, uh, <laughs> which ain't the end of the world. Uh, but I, you know, I definitely like that older vibe from yeah. the older, uh, older Spencer's. But if you've ever been in a mall, you've ever been in a Spencer's, you know they got that naughty section in the back there. And, like, walking around, it's like, whoa, everything went from, like, cool and black light and, like, metal bands and whatever to very various color or various shades of pinks and purples and reds and you got fuzzy handcuffs and you got these weird rubber shaped things and uh you know you got the dice you got the dice that will tell you to do various uh risque things to your lover oh my <laughs> um yeah there's just a non oh the edible underwear oh my god oh, there you uh, go you get a little like uh uh, uh, not sweet tart, but the uh, Smarties, like the Smarties underwear. Om nom 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 nom. It's a freaking candy um, bra. So it's probably thanks to Spencer's, maybe some combination of Spencer's and like uh, head shops that are featured at beaches where they've got sex toys in the back. You know, there's a lot of uh, subversiveness if you go out and look in the corners hard enough in the bowl. In, the, in bowl. the bowl. Enjoy your concert tonight, Booberry. Yeah, have fun. I heard it was Elton John. A birdie told me. Throw him some um, behind the scheme stickers. Yeah. <laughs> Slap them around. Slap them sticks up. <laughs> Stick them on Elton himself. <laughs> Stick them on this next caller, in fact. Hey, bowlers. Um, oh, yeah, I guess the FTI, uh, this week is the first time I ever found a sex toy. Oh, yeah. Only one time did I never find and play with a sex toy it, it unfortunately involved uh somebody uh yeah that's my ex-wife uh in fact it's funny because i think the way she uh summoned me was this, this was back in two, 2003 2004 or something so i got a i got an mms right a, a, a video message saying Ooh. you know she she didn't show anything really other than just uh you know kind of uh, summoning me downstairs kind of thing uh to uh yeah to I guess use that toy on her. No, that only happened a couple times. Yeah, you know, the sex life got any better at that point anyway. So, <laughs> but I guess uh, I guess that love was, uh, yeah, I guess not so deep, even though that marriage lasted a very long time. Uh, so, oh well, there are better days ahead. 
Break it down. Let us be. Okay, it ran a little longer than I anticipated, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah, and I screwed that up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I'm still recording. I'm still. I've still got stuff. I've still. I forgot to hit the end button on the on the on the thing. Yeah. Well, that happens sometimes. Uh, yeah. You know, you try to do these productions live and stuff, and you yep. screw it up, and you realize, ah, oh, dang. Oh well. Anyway, this is. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, there are better times ahead. And uh, I love you all, bowlers. Um, hope you have a great show, and we hear a lot of great stories on the uh, on on the show tonight. See you later. Bye. Take it easy, phone boy. Oh, we love you, phone boy. Yeah. You know, the live things, man. The live things are live, baby. What Doing can you do live. about it? Doing it live. I can't believe that was such a Ferris Bueller moment that I just did there. <laughs> You're still here? It's over. <laughs> go. Go. Yeah, well, I'm the one who has to go because i got to hit the hand button. <laughs> anyway. Oh, you know. Yeah, it's the first time I screwed that up, but oh well. Yeah, it's 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 cool. Yeah, we got you, man. You know, it's it's it, it, you know, I don't I don't feel bad about it. In fact, I uh, you shouldn't. You know, this is that's the beautiful thing about the bowl. Is the bowl is a very accepting and loving place. That's and, right. Uh, accepting that when we when we do screw things up from time to time, it's still funny. So, in the bowl, y'all. In the bowl, phone boy. Proof Happy. of human. Yes, proof of human. Happy little accident. We you, love hearing from you. You passed the captcha. Good job, phone boy. Passed the captcha. In the bowl, baby. In the bowl. When's the first time you ever uh, found a sex toy? The first time I ever found a sex toy, I was, oh, I was little. It was before third grade. I don't know when exactly. Probably, I don't know. But I was at my grandparents' house, and there was like a forbidden office, Uh-oh. an office that I wasn't supposed to go in. Whatever. But I had this beautiful green carpet that felt so soft and nice. So I used to just sneak in there and like roll around on it like a like a cat or something. Okay. For a few minutes. I mean, I was really little. Like this had to be three, you know. And uh, anyways, there were all these pictures of my grandma's butt on the wall, like in underwear. But they were just posted on the wall everywhere because this was my grandpa's office. So that already was a little. <laughs> But I got curious, you know, I just started like opening ca- <laughs> opening cabinet drawers and yeah. doors and uh, the closet. I opened the closet door and there were all these masquerade masks hung up, very organized. Oh, God. And uh, the first thing I saw after the, the masks was the first thing I saw because I was terrified of masks as a kid. Didn't mm-hmm. care what kind of mask. Like, why do you need to cover your face? That's scary to me. Right. Imagine me in this world. Ooh, holy crap. But anyways, <laughs> uh, and then right underneath those hanging was a feather duster bound in leather. And so I just shut the door really quick and like did like I didn't comprehend what I saw necessarily, you know. But I was like, I shouldn't have seen that. And I thought about it for a long time. The masquerade masks and the uh, the feather duster with the leather binding. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Ned, Ned, maybe they like dusting. Yeah, maybe they like dusting. I don't know. It's just, maybe. you know, trying to keep a clean place. That's all. I think that was the, the first... Uh, I mean, hey, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> just trying to provide some optimism here. Uh, maybe this next color could provide some optimism. I uh, cough during the phone calls, just allergies or 
fucking out of control today. Oh, no. <clears throat> See, I shouldn't even exert myself like that on cough. <laughs> but anyways, um, the first time I ever found a sex toy. So, yeah, um, it wasn't exactly me that found it. I was with somebody else that found it. Uh, we were, uh, I say maybe... 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there, maybe. Um, maybe a little bit younger than that. But we were going through uh, my buddy's parents' room looking for uh, quarters to take up to 7-Eleven and buy candy. Nice. Uh, and Slurpees and whatnot. Uh, and he went in one drawer and pulled out a, uh, a vibrating uh, dildo. That he turned on and it ring, <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of both looked at each other. And I, I you know, I, it was, I think I was very. Uh, it was definitely at a time that I was naive about what that would be, because I didn't know what the hell it was at first. But he did, and we continued. He put it away, and then we continued looking, and it was kind of. And anyways, he was troubled the rest of <laughs> the afternoon. Uh, and then I remember saying something to him, and he said that that, he's like, that thing that I found, that was something my mom sticks in her private parts. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so it was quite a, uh, it was almost like a hit in the face kind of moment. Uh, I felt like it was hit in the face with, uh, not with the, not with the dildo, mind you, but, uh, just the, the concept of, uh, woman, Using a uh, dildo on her private parts uh, that vibrates like that, uh, it was quite shocking in that moment. That uh, yeah, we we grew ever silent uh, the rest of the day. Uh, well, I probably in a weird way probably thought about his mom using, that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he tried to erase that memory from his head. So. In the smoker. Oh, I'm sorry. In the bowl. I'm high and I got allergies. Whatever. In the bowl. This guy is a bowl smoker. Yeah. That's what he's in. Yeah. Well, Sunday was the smoker bowl, so. That's true. Yeah, you smoke everywhere. How are you going to tell? You can't, it's hard to tell. You got to squint so hard to tell whether you're in the bowl or the smoker. It's like easy to forgive and understand that kind of thing, you know? Where am I? <laughs> well, we don't really know. Uh, where am this next caller? I don't really know. Hey, face to the screen, bowlers. Face to the hey. screen. Uh, I was going to tell you the story about the time me and some buddies found a whole box full of dildos. Oh, that's right. And uh, This is your uh, fault. Before I get to that, I mean, obviously, that's already the topic of the, you know, the, the episode. So, spoiler alert, we found a box of dildos toward the end of the story here. Okay. But <laughs> a buddy of mine was fighting in a tough man contest. Back when they were having those, like, probably about almost 20 years ago. Okay. Probably about 20 years ago. And uh, I think it was actually, it might have been before 9-11. So it was kind of, like, maybe before or after. It was, I'm pretty sure it was before. But, uh, so we're at this, uh, we drop our buddy off at the Tough Man contest, and then we go to a restaurant to eat before the fight, the rest of us. And uh, as we're leaving, the manager pulls us aside and says, hey, what did you guys drive here? And we're like, well, that blue car out there. And they're like, is that your box outside? And there's this box sitting there. And one of the guys had a box like it and was like, well, why would it be on the ground? Whatever. We ended up taking it with us, but there's this little pink wire <laughs> hanging out of it. All right. We're like starting to joke around like maybe it's a bomb, you know? Yeah. Cause I think it was before nine 11. We weren't really that freaked out about it, but kind of freaked out. Like, I don't know. We'd already seen like Die Hard and other movies. You yeah. Know, there's terrorists anyway. But 
this thing ended up being packed full of dildos. <laughs> um, my buddy did pretty good in the fight, though. He ended up, like, beating the crap out of the guy that had won the year before, but that guy won by decision. They beat each other up pretty bad, and then that guy went on to lose. Anyway, but this box full of dildos also had inside of it a credit card. Nice. With, like, a the guy's name on it was Peter Mann. Doxed. Like, a made-up name, probably. <laughs> but, and it was, like, it was there was, like, a note in there about, like, there's a $5,000 limit on it. We cut it up and stuff. We didn't want to use, you know, we didn't want to get in real legal trouble. Sure. Um, but uh, I think I have to leave another voicemail because I'm running out of time. Hold on, in the bowl. Oh, hold that hit in. Hold that hit in. Peter, man. <laughs> Wiener guy. Uh, yes, continue. Part two. Face the screen again. Sorry about that. I'm a little flustered. It's kind of hard to... It's a lot of story for two and a half minutes, isn't it? So hard. So we, but we end up driving around with that thing in the back of the car all night. We didn't open it up until we got home, but we were like, man, maybe there is a bomb in there or whatever. Kind of, you know... Telling her buddy about it because he was worried about fighting. You know, he had to go and fight right. in the ring, and we're telling him about this stuff later. He's like, "What?" You know, so we <laughs> go and crack the thing open, and like I said, there's all the dildos and this credit card and like a love note in there, like <laughs> a, a case of mistaken identity. The guy left it by our car by mistake or something. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but yeah, there are enema kits in there and stuff. Just uh, <laughs> really bizarre, you know. I mean, yeah. that's. I, I think I'd found, like, a, a sex toy before that. It may not be the first time, but this one was really just a story. And also, like, here's a side note. Like, the guys were really being dicks. Not my friends, but, like, other guys in the crowd were really being jerks to the ladies that were holding up the ring cards, you know, like the round cards. Oh, no. And it's like, they were just local strippers, you know, they hired to come in there and do that. And yeah. They weren't, like, stunning, spectacular, perfect, but... They weren't that bad looking. I thought the guys were being dicks. Like, ah, oh, shut up, you know? Like, you don't got anything nice to say. You don't say anything at all. Yeah. And, uh, like, one time they were throwing out T-shirts, and one that did actually look really good, like, she was looking at me and, like, threw it right over the guy's head in front of me to get it to me, and, like, she kind of, like, nodded her head when I caught it. Like, yeah, like, it was a good connection. Like, yeah. Nice. You know? But, uh, it didn't go anywhere. It was just kind of a hot moment. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm the one that, she threw it to me, and I got it. Yeah. Because I was like... 17 or 18, you know. Oh, anyway. yeah. Awesome! Wild times. <laughs> Wild times, man. Well, anyway, that's about it. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Fantastic. That's yes. an epic story. Face to the screen. Uh, we chose the first time I ever so he could tell us that epic story of the box of dildos. Thank you. That's a hell of a find. Could be a bomb, could be a box. Box of dildos. And it was. When was the first time you... Ever found a sex toy? I don't know if I even so much as found it, but like the first time I ever really saw one. Um, well, the first time definitely was at, at Spencer's mm. uh, for me as well. So I wasn't allowed to go in there as a kid, which really upset me. I thought it was just like the most unfair thing. Yeah, that's your store. It's my store. It's my name on the store. Can't go in the store. And I always blamed South Park on it because the South Park, back in the 90s, Spencer's would change a lot, obviously, and their merchandise would change. But what they always had, pretty much every time, for like six or seven years, <laughs> while I was growing up, was the four South Park guys as dolls in the window. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And my parents were so anti South Park. South Park was like a no zone, you know. 
So I was like, God damn South Park keeping me from going into my own store. You know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize that the depth of depravity that was between doors of Spencer's, but just to add insult to injury in our mall, that store was the store to the right of the Disney store. Oh, that's a really terrible placement. So you go to the Disney store and you would be like walking right past the entrance of Spencer's every time. And I'd always be like, we'd walk toward, you know, the Disney store. And then I'd like pull to the side. Like I want to go in Spencer's. And they'd like pull me back. And we'd be like, ah, yeah. It was always, and then like that made it even worse, you know, like them not wanting me or letting me go in there made me want to go in there. Yeah. 10 times as much. As is the way with taboo things. <sighs> I think the first time I ever saw a dildo was in Spencer's because mm. there's no curtain for the 18 plus section. Yeah, you just walk in and then all of a sudden you're deep enough in there's dildos. Yeah, it's like Booberry said. It's just a sudden change. Yep. It gets brighter are. back in the back too. Yeah, face to face. It's like the opposite you'd think of. It's like the dildo section looks like an Apple store kind of. <laughs> Mine didn't, but not an Apple store. Not quite to that level, but... Oh, I see you were exaggerating. exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, there's one geek in a t-shirt asking you if you need help from the genius bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not with these things, buddy. Uh, our next, our next uh, caller has some help for us, I'm sure. Buller, 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 buller. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, sorry about all the goddamn uh, uh, links to wave files. I've been sitting in my uh, oh, Instagram. This no worries. I've seen them. Uh, yeah, I'm just having too much fun. That's a great. Maybe a little high. It's a great concept. I support the concept. Pioneer. This guy's yeah, a pioneer. Bluetooth headset suck. I'm sorry. One second. I've got to change this. This is a recurring theme. Oh, yeah. How unprofessional of me. Oh, the Bluetooth headset. Switching headgear in this mall. Professional but, in the uh, bowl. Are yeah. you even a punk guy stuff? First time I ever found a sex toy. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. I was like 15 or 16, and uh, I lived in this neighborhood that um, had all of these, I don't know, I guess they were like higher-end like duplexes, townhouses, whatever. Okay. And uh, it, it was weird. Like, it was very weird being a poor kid in a rich kid's neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But um, regardless, my sister used to babysit for this lady. She had a daughter that at that time, if I was 15 or 16, my sister was like 13 or 14, and this girl was like, I don't know, eight or something. Uh, why didn't I give two numbers for her age? I don't know. But yeah, uh, so... <laughs> My sister calls the phone, the house phone at the time, and uh, she's like, I, I need you to come over here. I found some found some weird shit. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Mind you, the lady she was baby, babysitting for was hot, like smoking hot. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> and the sad thing was, you know, her daughter already had a unibrow and, like, fucking – Hairy monkey arms. I'm sorry if I'm giving any lady out there a complex because you're self-conscious about your appearance or whatever. But, you know, some people are just born hairy. Yeah, you can always get rid of that. And I'm at 2 minutes, 33 seconds. Uh Uh-oh. What am I doing? Oh. Taking up multiple voicemails. Can I not just spit this shit out? Uh Whoa. Probably not. I blame the stick. (laughs) (laughs) The stick. Oh, no, you're not supposed to blame the stick. Um, Who do we blame it on? 
Oh, of course, I, can't I don't remember. have it. I don't have it because I'm uh... stoned on pot. Oh, I think a lot of people blame it on the weed. Yeah, blame it on the weed, everybody. Oh well, you know it. You love it. This is a uh, John's part two. Yeah, right. Okay, so the lady was hot. That my sister was babysitting for super hot, like tall, blonde, legs for days, tits for the rest of the week. Like holy shit. Daughter was not, but she was a little girl. She's still probably not hot as uh, an adult lady now. So I go over there, see what my sister was saying was weird shit that she found. Uh, there was a box, like a plastic, you know, footlocker type chest or whatever. And uh, in there were, um, first off, stripper outfits, because it turns out that's what the lady did uh, for a living. Oh, she nice. was a stripper. There Which is go. why my daughter, or daughter, my <laughs> sister had to babysit her daughter, uh, you know, at night on into the night. And uh, so all these crazy, like, stripper outfits, you know, uh, uh, Kida, Kitty Cat, you know, like leopard print stuff. Yeah. You like my outfit today? <laughs> yes. And uh, then underneath all of that were some shoes, you know, typical boots and high heels. Yep. And underneath all of that, uh-oh. Were the dildos? I and I'm talking like long, floppy black cocks. Like <laughs> there was uh, obviously some that vibrated. Yeah. So like translucent pink ones, all the typical ones you'd want to see. But there was this one in there that was probably ten inches long, like four inches around, Woo. and covered in like these. I mean, they weren't hard. They were rubber spikes. But Whoa. they were stiff enough to maintain their spiky shape. But, dude, they were spikes. Like, inch and a half long spikes. Jesus. What the fuck? What the fuck? Mm. Why are you sticking spikes in your cooter, stripper lady? <laughs> <laughs> My sister was like, you know what these are down here? I'm like, uh, yeah. They call those dildos. She's like, what are they for? I'm like, what do they look like they're for? <laughs> She's like, oh, so gross. She went and washed her hands. <laughs> and I did too. You should probably wash yours and uh, wash your stick. Oh, and wash your butthole. Looking at you, lavish. That feels so good. Yeah, have a clean butthole. I blame the weed. Let's blame it on the weed, everybody. Yes, let's. Full recovery. Oh my goodness! Thank you, callers. <laughs> All of your wonderful stories. What first time ever can we follow that one up with? Oh, man, that's a tall ask. Let's see. I do have the list here. In a rare reach. I grabbed it because wow. it was right on top. Right on top. Top. Mm. Let's see. Tight top. Uh, mm. I saw one that we've done. Uh, first time I ever found a dead animal. Did whippets. Uh, had a, no, we did. Had a sign for me afterlife. That's good. Whippets? Uh, had phone sex. Saw a drag show. Had deja vu. We did several times. We keep doing that one. Uh, fell in love with a movie we've done. <laughs> first time I ever lost my shit at work, Ned, Ned suggests. Hot fired. Ooh, first time I ever lost my shit at work. I love uh, that. That's enough to Can get a giggle sk- for me. Skip that. Uh, skip the list for right now and use that one. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so next week I want you to call 816-607-3663 and tell us about the first time you ever lost your shit at work. Damn. I know exactly mine, and it's on theme, too. Oh, man. First time I ever lost my shit at work. Okay, I'm adding it to the master list. Hell yeah. 
I'm even using an at sign for shorthand because you get to skip a whole character if you do that. Yeah, well, saves so much time. There's only one thing left to do now. That's true. Only one thing left. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling. Uh, so in Miami, a man spent the night in a stranger's home because he thought it was his Airbnb. Oh my goodness yeah. gracious. He arrived at two in the morning, had himself mapped to the correct address, stumbled into the house to the left. Claims he followed all the entry instructions and everything, but didn't give details into that. So I'm guessing the entry instruction was like, door will be unlocked. Mm. Anyway, he found a bedroom with two clean folded towels next to it. Everything was made. Everything was immaculately clean. He thought, this is a great Airbnb. I'm going to pass the fuck out now. Yeah. Woke up to a very confused homeowner who politely showed him out and didn't get angry because. Yeah, that's a good way to get shot. That is a very good way to get shot. Well, good good for happy endings, I suppose. Dude claims he's learned his lesson and will now triple check the address every time. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. He's been to hundreds of Airbnbs and that this has never happened to him before. I could see that. I could see that as just like getting well, two in the a morning. little too comfortable, a little too uh, oh yeah, with confident the with the Airbnb thing to just be like, I'm here, I'm crashing, I'm here, I'm crashing, just slide right in. I could totally see and that it, happening. Yeah, there. it was the house to the left of his Airbnb. Oh you know, yeah, it was right that's... next door. Like, so he was mapped to the right place, but two in the morning, probably just didn't look at the number. Houses look the same. Doors unlocked because it must be a really freaking safe neighborhood. I guess so. Yeah. It didn't say the door was unlocked. I'm just assuming because of the way things went. Yeah, down. that is weird though. There's usually a check in, and you punch like a code. <laughs> yeah, or something. it was like the key uh, yeah. pad. Yeah. Meh. Meh. Experience that the Airbnb could be improved. I suppose. It's Florida. It's wild. Wild B and B. A man was. Uh, oh, he pled guilty this week. Uh, lots of people doing that, I guess. Uh, to taking two baby bears from their den. Hopefully, not lots of people doing that. This was a guy in Northern California who, uh, after he was unable to care for the baby bears, notified officials uh, saying that he found them on the side of the road. But, you know, they're paid to investigate things. Story didn't check out. There was no tracks, no habitat, really, for the bears to have been born into or live in. Not to mention bear cubs are completely dependent on their moms. Can't do anything for themselves, can't fend for themselves or anything. So, uh, you know, he ended up confessing. And uh, he spent 90 days in jail, paid 2200 bucks in fines, and completed 200 hours of community service. Wow. Also had his hunting and fishing privileges suspended. Oof. Yeah, and he's got 12 months of probation. Don't take wild baby animals. No. Especially not out of their den when they're babies. Huh. Think you'd have more sense. Uh, he did it along with an unidentified coworker who it looks like may not have gotten in any trouble because that person tried to bring the baby bears back to their den and found that it had been destroyed. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Mama bear probably went nuts. Yeah, that's, uh, that's stressful, man. Yeah, it is stressful. You know what else is stressful? Trying to tow a 70-ton crane out of the woods. Oh, my God. Yeah, that does sound stressful. Yeah. An Alabama man called a wrecker service 
to pull this crane out of the woods, claiming that someone gave it to him and he wanted it removed to sell for scrap. So the wrecker service owner came down uh, and remembered removing that same crane just a few years ago. Uh oh. And decided to contact the owner of the crane and say, "Hey, did you uh, did you give this away?" Nah, I didn't give my crane away. So of course, law enforcement was called. And when they showed up, <laughs> there it is. Law enforcement was called. Yeah. Uh, when they showed up, the 26-year-old uh, attempted to leave in the rig that came to pull the crane out and ended up driving it into a ditch where oh he got stuck God. and was arrested. Oh, no. Oh, That's no, That's a indeed. dumb place to keep poles. That is. And cranes. Now, the next story for the lanes tonight is really more a video so I'll be posting that in the chat and, of course, in the show notes, if you're listening in the future times. But uh, it's some security camera footage from Mexico, which captured this floating thing that scared two dogs, then started floating over these, like, tain- train tracks or the sidewalk or something, and seems to become bipedal. It takes on form. Uh-oh. And it's a very spooky... So this, uh, it starts off, there's just like this floating wisp. I don't know how, and the, you know, okay, it doesn't help that the footage is grainy and stuff, but these two dogs come running at it, like right where this floating wisp thing, it kind of looks like it has two little arms or something. It starts to like slowly gain a more solid shape and form. And uh, the video and the article I shared, it zooms in, it changes the color of the security stuff and whatever, but it's what it's spooky fuck? as hell. I mean, ghost, alien, I don't know, but the dogs seem to have seen it. It comes from the air. It for comes sure. from the air, like a gas. It comes at first. from up above for sure, no doubt. Yeah, and it's like see through. The dogs see it. They and react, are reacting directly to it, and it's just like floating around, not stepping. Whoa! That but is then it is weird. kind of. It kind of seems like there's some steppage. It's a very weird, Bowlers. I couldn't share this, and I love a good spooky video. Spooky, uh, oh, EVPs are good, too. Obviously better for a podcast, since there's no visual component here. And I'm telling you, just go to the show notes. But, yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think it is. Wild. You. Also wild. Creeping me out. I know. (laughs) They replay it so many times in the video, and I watched the whole thing, and by the end was just like, (laughs) Don't know what I saw, but I saw it. Um, Two security guards in South Carolina allegedly tried to poison their supervisor by putting eye drops in his coffee maker. What? Yes. Poison eye drops, I tell you what. Well... Before you mock them, in 2020, a South Carolina woman was sentenced to 25 years in jail for killing her husband with eye drops in a drink. Holy shit, really? Yeah, this is a South Carolina thing. Wow. They sell killing eye drops people that with eye drops. kill you in South Carolina? Or is that just a thing? Eye drops are that poisonous? I guess so. I mean, they're for your eyes and not your mouth. That seems weird to me that they can, I don't know, you can put it in your eyes, but not drink it. Ugh. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, another employee stopped the supervisor before he ingested any of the poisoned coffee. So, 
Yeah. It, but if they're poison, Harpat in the chat is right. I wouldn't want to put poison eye drops in my eyes either. Damn your eyes. <laughs> but that was the first time I heard of eye drop killing and then saw the previous case and was like, oh, well, this has happened before, huh? All right, then. I guess red eye drops. Anything that helps the red eye. They're trying to kill the stoners. Poisonous to drink, safe if used correctly. Okay. Holy moly. Uh, tetrahydrozoline. Tetrahydrozoline. That is the uh, culprit there. Holy fuck. Tetrahydrozoline. Now we know. Yeah. Approved well, by the FDA in 1954. Must we be wonderful. Have said it. We shouldn't have said it because now the U.S. could go to the U.N. and have it banned They're in international. They're going to schedule one that shit. I'm surprised yeah. they haven't already. Yeah. Bitches are killing dudes with it. And yet, weed, they want to make weed the most dangerous one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, well. Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, well, enjoy this next story, because these thieves in Aurora, Colorado, stole $50,000 worth of fuel using a remote. Okay, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, that was 2,000 gallons of gasoline, 3,000 gallons of diesel that they got. $50,000 worth of uh, fuel right there. Um, With a remote. And that's why the journalist that covered this story clearly doesn't understand it either. Because I'll read what they wrote in a minute. But, okay. Yeah, so they pumped it into these tanks stored in the back of a moving truck. Okay. Obviously without paying for it. But, like, how do you get the gas pump to start going when you didn't put enough correct form of payment or whatever you right. know like doesn't yeah. it authorize the payment first that's my first question there uh and here's what they wrote uh Im- an embedded controller in the gas pump can be accessed by a finger wag quotes here or they put actual quotes skilled hacker uh, to shut down pumping change prices or bypass payment among other things leet yes leet gas rip wow okay that was impressive. I yeah, was impressed like, by the story. It's like the admin code you can punch into the old soda machines. It's a cheat code for you ever gas. Do that? Four two three one. I never had an old soda machine accessible to me. They had them in my schools. We didn't have soda machines in our schools. Yeah, we had soda machines throughout oh. the school with soda. Yeah, or are you soda. talking a vending machine? No, I'm talking about like soda pop. Oh. I'm talking about cherry coke. Well, I lived in massive two shits where. You know, we had water in a vending machine. That was banned early, banned off. <laughs> banned early, banned off. Ain't nothing banned here, baby. No nutrition for the kids either. Just ban it all. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cheat code. Yeah, cheat code. You know, hey, if you know that cheat code for the gasoline pumps, <laughs> tell people about it in Minecraft. That's right. Yeah. Uh, post a tweet about it or something. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Minecraft. Uh, grab yourself a burner phone and... uh Call 816-607-3663. That's what you want to do. Or send cryptic boostograms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Boostogram a map. <laughs> yeah, seriously. A man who fell off a jet ski was shot and killed by his rescuer in South Carolina also. What is going on down there? You know, they were trying to get me to go to that meetup. I'm definitely not going now. All red flags. Yeah. And a long drive. If I don't get poisoned by eye drops, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, uh, what is it now? You've made it this far. Oh, shot by the person who rescues yeah, you when you fall no, off your jet you. ski. Well, here's how the story goes. It was ruled self-defense. Okay. Uh, to spoil it all. A man and a woman riding a jet ski fell off. They weren't wearing life jackets. So this couple on a pontoon boat saw them, 
pulled up to them, uh, thought they were in distress, and pulled them aboard. Um, and, you know, the jet ski was just out there doing circles around the lake that they were at. Then the man became agitated and assaulted the couple. Uh-oh. So the lady that they rescued pushed him into the water, and the married couple once again pulled him on board the pontoon boat. And he started confronting them again, and so the guy was you know, afraid for him and his wife's lives and shot him. Wow. Which, it seems pretty dumb to be aggressive towards the people who just rescued you. Seems like some lake life shit, bro. <laughs> it does seem very lake life. Yeah, I don't know. Holy moly. I wasn't there. It's a wild story, though. South Carolina going wild. How dare you rescue me? Yeah. Probably just mad. You know, about the situation. You know, like losing control of his jet ski or yeah, whatever. Yeah, how am I getting my maybe, jet ski? Maybe but... he's fighting with his girl. Like, you know, uh, and that's why she took, she just pushed him off again. Like, ha Maybe all that's like somebody else's problem, though. Yeah. And this is why you don't rescue dudes uh, who fall off jet skis. That's you all. heard her here first. <laughs> uh, uh, security camera footage in Connecticut this week showed two pigs fending off a bear. Their names are Mary and Hammy. Yeah, this bear uh, walked up to their pen, climbed up the fence, hopped down, and was about to attack Mary, but she just pushed him back, and then Hammy charged at it, which scared it to the other side of the pen before it decided to jump out. Oh, man, these pigs don't mess around. And the owner said she was really proud of her pigs because Hammy allegedly is afraid of his own shadow, but not Mm. a bear. Not a bear. Not if that bear is messing with Mary. That's right. Get back, bear. Protect your pen pal. Um, a British man broke the Guinness World Record of cherry tomatoes harvested from a single stem. Not once, but twice. He broke his own record just a few weeks after setting it. What a pro. Before him, the record was 488. He harvested 839 cherry tomatoes, and then a few weeks later, got 1,269 tomatoes off of a single stem. 69! 69, dudes! Wow. Of course, he said he read a bunch of scientific papers on tomato growing and took soil samples for lab analysis before planting to give him the best chance of breaking the record. That's what he sought out to do. That's what he did. I do wonder how the tomatoes taste. Yeah. Imagine that, like 1,200 delicious tomatoes in one go. That's wild. Mm. That's a lot of them. That's a lot of cherry tomatoes. On one stem. He should open a booth at the farmer's market. He should, man. And finally, I love these stories of sentimental objects lost and found and found again. A World War II bomber jacket was left behind at a Tacoma, Washington bar in the 1950s and was just returned to the guy's daughter, who's his only living relative, the veteran who lost the jacket. How lucky. Yeah. So the bar owner uh, held on to it in the lost and found, and no one came back for it, gave it to his son, who kept it for the last 70 years. And he took good care of it, says that he felt like a superhero wearing the, wearing the jacket, you know, because it was some World War II vets. And yeah. he oiled the leather and replaced the cuffs several times and finally did some research this year and uh, found the vet's daughter living in Arkansas. Cool. This was up in Tacoma, so... Yeah, she traveled a long way away. Um, she said also that her dad died in a car crash when she was 14. 
Oh, no. So, and she said they were really close, like, attached at the hip. Yeah. And she didn't even know about the jacket. Dang. And so, just, like, finding it and, like, knowing that someone took such good care of it that whole time and really loved it, that was pretty epic. Definitely. Yeah. She said her dad was stationed in Tacoma while serving in the military, so it was just a little, a short little stint. Wow. Yeah, quite a story. Wild quite times. A bowl. Yeah, no doubt. Ran a little long tonight. Wow, it is. Wow. Alert the affiliates. Wow, yeah. Wow. We are really long. But that's all right. That's right. We're allowed to go long. That's right. We're allowed to do whatever the hell we want in the bowl. That's right. Getting wild in the bowl. Well, thanks for getting wild with us, hanging out, bowling along. It is deep into the night times. We'll try to fix that a little bit for you in post. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, we're going to be here always for you on Tuesday nights with your regular Bull After Bull. Also join us on Friday for Bulls with Buds. Be sitting down with NA Millennial. What time? 9 p.m. Central? 9 p.m. Central. That's the aim. That's the game. Till then, you can rely on me being Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'll be Dame DeLorean. Until Friday, may your bowls burn ever brighter. Oh, shit, yes. Lots of weed. Let's blame it on the weed, everybody. Dope smoking. Puff, puff, path. Lots of weed. You'd like to smoke dope? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.